Welcome to episode 56 of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on November 5, 2017. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor at GameCritics.com, and I am also 50% of this here show. With me, as always, Corey Motley, staff writer at GameCritics.com. How you living, Corey? Brad, why do you say November 5? I don't know. Just to be different and unusual. Kind of make people not, think about it a little bit. Not November 5th, like everyone else would say. I mean, not everyone. I'm sure someone else says November 5. When you say November 5, it makes me think of Johnny Five <laughs> Alive from Short Circuit. Oh, man. Now, those were some movies, huh? I just mm-hmm. watched that the other day, actually, a couple months ago. Didn't hold up. Oh, I mean, Johnny Five was still cool, but like, man, there was a lot of really racist and sexist shit that was going on in that movie that I didn't really key into when I was younger. It kind of ruined a lot of that movie for me, but Johnny Five is still cool. I I do like that robot still. Well, good, good. I didn't mean to throw things off course so early in the show, but I knew that if I didn't say something about you saying November 5, people listening to the show would have been like, why does he say November 5? And if Corey doesn't ask him, then we're never listening to the show again. Well, you got their backs. We got to the bottom of that mystery, and I think it's <laughs> solved. Also, we just ruined everybody's memory of, uh, of that Johnny 5 and Short Circuit. So let's get back on track here. Uh, what, where did I leave? Oh, yeah, yeah. How you living, Corey? Uh, pretty good. I am fresh off of a, like, two-hour nap to prepare me for the show. I've been playing lots of video games today and watching video game trailers, so I'm ready to talk about them. Oh, man, two-hour nap sounds glorious. We will talk about that at some other date, uh, but I am very, very jealous. Um, but yes, I'm actually really psyched about today's show. I think we got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Looking forward to it, and I mean that in a very genuine way. Uh, But before we move ahead with the show, just taking five seconds here to talk about the format. Uh, Frequent listeners will know we've been switching things up, uh, trying to test things out, getting some feedback, responding to feedback, you know, moving things around. The biggest change, obviously, was that we moved our banter uh, to the end of the show for the last couple of episodes. And for the time being, it seems like that is where we're going to stay. Um, We did have several listeners who wrote in or messaged us in some way. And felt very strongly that they wanted the banter to go back to where it was at the beginning of the show. And I respect that. Like they said that it, it got them warmed up for the show. They liked opening, not about the, you know, our, our hard-hitting games coverage, but about just our jokes and our, you know, whatever we were doing. I, I get that. I totally get that. And I'm sympathetic for sure. But we also had a lot of people. And in fact, we had actually more people who said that they preferred the banter at the end. So... I wish there was some way that we could make everyone happy, and I just don't see... It's got to be one or the other. There's no way... I mean, I think you made a a funny suggestion the other day of putting the banter in the middle of the show, Corey. I don't know that that would necessarily work. I don't know that anybody would be happy with that. So apologies to the people who wanted the banter at the beginning. Um, We're not doing this to hurt anybody's feelings, and we're sorry that uh, your side did not win. But just, you know, it just came down to straight numbers. More people wanted at the end. So we're going to go with this for now. So we're going to stick with games first, banter later. Uh, we'll, we'll stay the course for a while, and then we'll reevaluate. And, uh, you know, p- please feel free to keep letting us know how it's going. Uh, you know, there's nothing saying this is set in stone, but I think for now we're going to leave it as is and just just proceed with continuing uh, to make the show. So 
Thank you uh, to everybody for sticking with us through the changes. Thanks to everybody for the feedback and the input. Hopefully we will all settle into a comfortable groove and just, uh, and just proceed. So now on to the game's chat. Corey, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Yeah. A- shocked AF, as the kids say these days. <laughs> uh, when you told me what you were playing, I, I fell out of my chair a little bit, like a little bit. Uh, Infinity Blade. Where is this coming from? What? How? <laughs> what? Tell me about Infinity Blade, sir. Um, I'm going to assume that you placed that pun there, that you fell out of your chair because Infinity Blade is developed by chair. Oh, my God. No, that just happened spontaneously. Wow, I'm so good. I didn't even realize. Sure it did. Sure it did, Brad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so I I don't even know, like, what to say about this game. So let me, like, let, let me provide... The, the base info. And yeah, just square one, because so, people, people, people don't even know what this is anymore. That's how long ago this was. Oh, I don't believe that for a second, Brad. I bet, I bet. But go ahead, tell us anyway. All right, so Infinity Blade is... Okay, so like in the infancy of the iPhones, whenever Apple started first making the iPhones, I think around the time, I want to say it was like, the iPhone 3GS, which was like the second or third iteration of the iPhone, because Lord knows that Apple does not name them 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, which would explain why the Apple iPhone 10 or the iPhone X, as some people are calling it, that just launched last week, is technically the ninth iPhone, but they just decided to call it the 10th one. But who knows? I'm not even going to try to act like I understand the way Apple does anything with their product naming. It's totally beside the point. But back in the iPhone's infancy... Whenever mobile gaming was just taking off uh, via the App Store and, you know, there was finally, like, a decent touchscreen video game platform for mobile games, uh, Epic uh, Epic Games and a developer chair, uh, I think they released a demo during right it was like they displayed it at the apple press conference for the iphone and then the demo went live like as soon as the press conference uh, lifted and it wasn't it was for the world that infinity blade was based in but it was not for infinity blade itself it was basically this like town where you could walk around and just kind of get an assessment of like the way the game was going to look and the graphics and it was basically them saying hey this phone can make a game look pretty good it let we'll let you walk around in our world and then a few months later in December of 2010, as a matter of fact, I can't believe it was 2010 because it seems like I downloaded this game for the first time like a year ago, but really it was a lot more than a year ago. Uh, Chair and Epic released Infinity Blade, and at the time, Infinity Blade was kind of like the first big, like kind of like killer app iPhone game, at least in my opinion. Um, that had launched at the time. And what Infinity Blade is, it is a third-person hack-and-slash dual-ing game where you build a sort of like a knight character and you have different armor you can equip. You have a helmet you can equip. You have a the body, the full suit of body armor you can equip. A sword, a shield, a magic ring, and I think, I think that's it. Um, and... Every time you get into, you walk through this linear world, you basically just tap the place you want to go. There's like a little cutscene that plays where the knight walks in that direction. And then eventually you come up to an enemy. And the enemy, it's a one-on-one duel where 
you have the option to, you can dodge, as the enemy attacks, you can dodge left, you can dodge right, or you can press the center button and it makes the, the knight use a shield. And you can dodge as many times as you want. The shield only has a certain amount of times you can use it per battle, but you can level it up and you can slash to do combos or you can stab or you can use a superpower hit or you can use one of your magic ring uh, powers in the fight. And then when the fight is over, assuming you win, you get experience. And as your overall level levels up, each of your equipment pieces level up too. So you level up your helmet, your body armor, your sword, your shield, your and your um, ring, your magic ring individually. And once they level up, you stop getting experience for those things until you buy a new one through in-game gold, or you can spend real-life currency to get in-game gold to buy new things with. And basically, it's just a cycle of that. You go through this linear world, you fight people on the way. There's a couple of branching paths you can take, but they all end up going to what's called the God King, who's like a super high-level enemy who has the Infinity Blade, and your job is to kill him. And every time you kill him, you get, like, a special piece of uh, equipment, I think. And I, I actually have never, like, 100% fully beaten the game despite how many hours I've put into it. But I think after you beat him a certain amount of times, you get the Infinity Blade, and then you can take the Infinity Blade down into, like, the basement of the castle that he's in. And you, like, plug it into this, like, stone. And it opens up these dungeons. And it's, like, a bunch of high-level enemies you get to fight. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. But I played this game a lot. And I've never gotten to that point. And I started playing this game way back whenever it came out in 2010. I remember buying it. And I played the hell out of it. And I took a, I bought Infinity Blade 2 whenever it came out, which came out one year later in December of 2011. And at the time, it was basically more of the same, but with like a few extra additions to the formula. And I had already had a, someone leveled so highly in Infinity Blade 1 that I didn't really feel like playing Infinity Blade 2. Like I felt like they added just a little bit too much stuff for me to feel like it wasn't as user-friendly. And then Infinity Blade 3 came out in September of 2013, and I bought Infinity Blade 3 as well, and I have barely played Infinity Blade 3 at all. The one I've spent the most time with is 1, and I played it a ton right when it came out, and then I've had like three or four different iPhones since that time, and I, it's always been on my phone, and for some reason, I started playing it again like two or three weeks ago. I think it's because I've just been sitting around, like if Patrick's playing games on the PlayStation 4 and I'm sitting around with nothing to do I just thought to myself like oh why don't I just open up Infinity Blade I don't really know what made me decide to do that and I did it and I was sucked back into the world of Infinity Blade with all of its sword slashing and dodging and shield blocking and magic rings and all that stuff but before I talk anymore um because I don't really, I don't even know what all I want to tackle about this game. Uh, Brad, have you played this, or do you have any questions for me about this game? Um, I have played Infinity Blade. In fact, I do agree with your assessment that it was one of the first like real killer apps for like mobile gaming or for iPhone gaming. I I remember at the time uh, I did not have an iPhone, and seeing, I mean, seeing that game, I was like, oh wow, I really like that art, and it looks cool, and it seemed like right up my alley. In fact. I thought you were going to say you started playing this because we had been talking about Warframe and Warframe, I think has some artistic elements that are kind of similar um, to, to infinity blade. I think the way the Knights look is a little bit similar and that weird kind of 
bio biomechanical sort of uh we i don't know i don't even know how to describe it but th- i think there's a couple similar tones so i i thought maybe that was what was, was triggering you to play it again uh, but yeah i played it before i played infinity blade one i did beat it uh, and it was really hard and i remembered um getting the infinity blade and finding out what the ending was and being kind of surprised at the ending and thinking it was pretty cool and then uh, I played Infinity Blade 2, and I think you are correct in saying that it was adding, like, a little bit too much. I, I remember I remember thinking Infinity Blade 1 felt really good. Like, it was small enough that you felt like you could get the measure of that game, and you could master it, and you could... You, it was just easy to come to grips with. It didn't feel overwhelming. And I think it was 2 that started to feel like, oh, wait, there's, like, a lot of stuff going on. Too much stuff to level up and too many ways to go. And also it just felt that was when it started to feel really repetitive to me Um, because the thing about this game, I don't know if you were going to talk about this or not, but like if you if you die, you got to go back and there's only a certain number of branches like so like you end up seeing the same areas over and over and over. You end up doing the same runs over and over and over, which wasn't a big deal with the first Infinity Blade because it was a brand new game. Hadn't really played anything like that before on the phone and it was very cool looking and it was fine. But I think it, it kind of like like what you were suggesting, like once you've had your fill of that one thing, I'm not sure how many people were really down for like another exact serving of it, just more and different. So I did finish Infinity Blade 2, but I didn't play nearly as much. I started to burn out on it and got kind of tired of it. And I did buy Infinity Blade 3. And much like you, I think I put like maybe two hours into it. I'm like, OK, I don't want to do this again. Like I'm done with this. So. I think we probably followed pretty similar tracks, but I do remember really liking the first one quite a bit. I really liked it, especially how they tried to integrate narrative into it. Um, do you, I don't know if we want to get into spoilers or not, or do you even know like what the ending of it is or how that goes? Uh, I actually don't know what the ending of it is. And I probably don't want that spoiled for me. Cause I'm going to pretend like one day I will, harness the power of the infinity blade itself and i will figure out the ending although that might actually never happen okay cool i won't spoil it for you but i will say that more more so than the other more so than infinity blade 2 and i can't speak for infinity blade 3 because i didn't finish it but i thought that number one definitely worth finishing and i thought it was actually very cool when you got to the end i was very intrigued by where they took that at the end so i i do think it's worth putting the effort in and finishing it at least once i thought i don't think you'll be disappointed Okay, good. I want to, but I have, I have such a hard time fighting the God King because I, it's like one of those things where, I mean, maybe something that should be said about the game is that almost most of the fights you get into are almost exactly the same. Like there's different enemy types, like there's, you know, smaller knight like enemies that have like a sword and shield as well. And then there's some giant enemies that have like a big club that they use and, and there's some enemies that have, like, double swords, and they're, like, a little bit more nimble, and it's kind of hard to dodge. But one of, like, the hallmarks of the combat in this game is that um, and enemies will do a certain number of combo moves on you. And may, it, sometimes it's one hit, and sometimes it's, like, five or six. And you're supposed to dodge and block, or you can parry the combos, and I'm the worst at that, but... I'm a big dodger. You can dodge or you can block. And if you dodge or block or parry every attack in the enemy's combo, then you get to uh, release a bigger combo on them whenever they like get stunned and it's your time to attack. So if they say if they slash once, you dodge it and you get a dodge break, then you only get one slash against them. But if they do like 
four slashes and you successfully dodge all of them or block all of them or what have you, then you get to attack them with four slashes. So it's like a, it's a big like offense, defense, give and take thing that I actually really like. And you have to pay a lot of attention to how the enemies set up their attacks in order to know exactly how to dodge. Because if you don't, then you dodge right into their fucking slash and get your ass kicked and you look like an idiot. Um, but the God King, the very last enemy, is very, very fast. He's extremely fast. He, he tends to have bigger combos, and I always have a really hard time fighting him. And he's also one of those enemies where it's very frustrating because, like, if you miss a dodge, you the, the attack recovery is so long that you basically don't have time to dodge again. So you basically have to block. And if you run out of shield strength for your blocking you're kind of fucked and the god king if he basically hits you like it's kind of it's kind of like guitar hero where if like you you can be on the best roll ever and you miss one note and then it just snowballs into oblivion like that's kind of how infinity blade is because if i get attacked like once by the god king it usually ends up turning into him hitting me like four times in a row and then i'm basically dead and it's over with and then you have to restart the whole timeline again and go all the way up through the castle but i mean getting from the very beginning of the castle path all the way up to the god king if you take the quickest path probably only takes like 15 minutes so it's not that long of a cycle but i always have such a hard time with the god king brad he's really hard <laughs> yeah he's really hard i remember that game was a real motherfucker and i uh i was really glad when i finished it and i didn't go through and do like all the extra content and i didn't you know like hardcore max it out and do everything i mean i, I finished the game did a little bit more called it good and i was happy with that um but yeah it's really tough and it can be frustrating because those guys are really hard and sometimes it's hard to, to see the tells that they're doing i mean it's been a long time since i played it but i remember at the time being a little frustrated because like you said if you misread a move it opens you up for a combo and then uh you know sometimes i felt like i mean at the time i think i had a different phone at the time i just felt like the touchscreen wasn't exactly as responsive as i wanted it um, whatever model I was using seven years ago. So, I mean, that was kind of a thing too. Like I remembered thinking often like, Oh, I wish I had a controller for this because when it gets to the really hard bosses, I really want like the exact, very specific, uh, control that only a controller can give you. Like, I don't feel that touchscreen is for me anyway, is not something that I ever really feel a hundred percent okay with when it comes to action games, especially fast action games like this. You know, for, for turn-based things or puzzles or something where you can take your time, no big deal. But when it comes to action, I really kind of um, I really kind of uh, bug out when it comes to touchscreen. So I put up with it for that one because I think the cool factor was really high on it. It looked really cool, looked really sharp. Um, A through your battery like a motherfucker back then. I remember that much. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, overall, pretty interesting. And I was really surprised to hear you bring this back up. So you think you're going to stick with it and then uh, see it all the way through? Uh, I hope so. I'm trying to stay tuned in, but it gets really discouraging whenever I spend all that time getting up to the God King and then I die or something. Because, I mean, basically, it's all you do is, like, fight your way up to him and then either beat him or die. And, like, the last couple times I've I've killed him, the, like, loot I've gotten from him hasn't been very good. And so, like, I'm wondering, I need to look up a guide or something to make sure I'm doing it right because I need to, like, figure out exactly what I have to do or like how many times I have to kill him or if you have to like kill him a certain way or like using a certain sword or something to get um to like end up getting the infinity blade and then you know being able to move on to the final area because I don't know like I don't know like I haven't quite 
gotten there yet and i end up choking every time i fight him or most of the time i fight him and losing and then i just get frustrated so a couple questions before i move on really quick so first off i guess i'm a little bit surprised well i mean i guess maybe i shouldn't be surprised but i know a lot of games just mysteriously disappear off the iphone like for example my son likes to play a lot of um, ipad iphone games and you know recently we've hit a string of them where the the people making those games stopped updating them and so like he'll want to go back to an old favorite and just can't because it's no longer compatible with the uh the hardware that we have or the software or whatever the uh os um so is as i guess infinity blade i mean it, surely it must be like totally updated and still in working order right you know what i'm really glad you asked that question because that actually i i had totally forgotten about this but that's what made me want to try it in the first place because there was an update for it whenever ios I don't know, iOS 11 or whatever is the newest iOS that just came out like a few months ago, um, like a, a couple weeks after the iOS came out. Yeah, I totally forgot about this. Um, Chair slash Epic, whoever's in charge of updating the game at this point, they released an update, I think for all three of the games. And it was like, a, like a, oh, all of the content is now packed in. Like, I don't know if you had to buy content for it at some point or something like that, or if there was like some kind of DLC or something, because I had never played them enough, uh, or at least uh, two and three enough to get all of that, or if they like release new areas or something. But I remember the patch notes being like, updated for iOS 11 plus like X content pack and Y content pack are now free and packed in or something. And so, yeah, that's what made me get back into it, because I had remember seeing the update and knowing that it was like good to go on iOS 11. Um, and then I just thinking like, oh, well, I wonder what like what's new or if I'll recognize anything new. And that's totally what what got me um, to open it up again. And I totally forgot about that. So, yeah, good, good question. Thank you for reminding me of that. Well, follow up question. You may have already answered it, but back in the day. And of course, this is like seven years ago. So maybe my memory is a little bit fuzzy. I do remember I got to a point not so much with the original Infinity Blade, but they really doubled down in Infinity Blade 2 and 3, from what I recall, uh, the in-app purchases. Um, in the first one, I remember there was... Uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember I ponied up cash a couple of times, but not a whole lot of times. And then when I saw how they structured it in 2 and 3, that really kind of cooled me off. What is the in-app purchase looking like these days with Infinity Blade? They give you everything for free and just let you pay the purchase price and that's it or is there still a bunch of stuff you can like pump money into or what what's going on with with that side of things well with the first one i i can only speak to the first one on this one because i haven't played the second or third one enough to to really speak to it but in the first one i feel like um you know especially because you brought up warframe i feel like it's maybe worth noting as well on the along these lines that i feel like infinity blades sort of like set the stage for kind of how like the free-to-play model is now even though infinity blade was not free to play but it was cheap i think it was like two or three dollars back in the day but i mean as you level up your weapons you obviously want to keep getting as much experience as you possibly can and if you max out your weapons or, or your armor or your helmet or whatever you stop gaining experience for them so the idea is to buy a new one and then you level that one up and then you buy a new one and level that one up and for the most part um you earn gold in the game through fighting people or you can find it in the environment and if you like see it as your character is walking you can like tap on it and you'll pick up the gold and um as as far as my playthrough of the first one um i basically keep getting enough gold in the environment and through fights to be able to 
keep my equipment fresh as I level it up, up until about, I think I just reached level like 40 or something. And, but at, at this point, I'm getting to the point where I'm leveling things up so quickly that I'm not earning enough gold to be able to keep buying new equipment and refreshing it so quickly. So um, the in-app purchases in the first one, it's just to buy gold to turn around and spend on weapons and armor in the game. And some of the packs, I mean, you can, I think the entry one is like 99 cents and you get like, I don't know, like X thousand gold in the game. And then there's like a 499 one you can buy and you get like more. And I think it goes up to, I don't know, like 20 or $30 or maybe even more. I can't remember. Um, but it's, as far as it goes, I mean, you can play the entire game after you buy it without pumping more money into it. Like there's nothing that's off limits or anything. But if you want to keep buying uh, equipment and, and weapons to get the most experience possible without grinding simply for gold and not for experience, then you can just buy the gold to buy more weapons. And back in the day, I had put a little bit of money into it the first time I played it when I bought it around 2010. I remember putting, I don't know, like 10 bucks or something in kind of here and there. Um, but at this point, I'm not because I feel like uh, putting money into this app is probably not something that I need to be doing right now. Probably not the best financial move, even if it is only like 90 cents or 99 cents or something. But um, that's how Fade Blade 1 works. I'm not sure about uh, in-app purchases for 2 and 3. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, that was a real blast from the past. I mean, I know that we say on the show that, you know, uh, old stuff, new stuff, anything in between. And man, that was definitely some old stuff. I did not see that coming. <laughs> so thank you for um, that trip down memory lane. I did have actually pretty fond memories of the very first Infinity Blade. I had a pretty good time with that. So um, yeah, maybe I'll download that again and just give it a run through see if I can remember what's up with that. But uh, so I, I, I'm assuming you would uh, recommend it to people if they have never played Infinity Blade. Oh, absolutely. Infinity Blade is the bomb. It's like the perfect use of the touchscreen on the iPhone, on the iPad. I bought an iPad back in like 2011, and I remember playing the the a lot of Infinity Blade on my iPad just because it was a bigger screen and I would like play it before I went to bed. But it's really good use of the touchscreen. Um, it's an excellent game. All three are updated for iOS 11 now. I'm pretty sure you can buy a bundle of all three of them on the app store for like, I don't know, like five or 10 bucks or something like they're not expensive games. So I would highly recommend these to anybody who, uh, who seems interested in anything that we've talked about so far. I think they're, or uh, the first one's great. The second and third one are probably good, but they're just a little bit meatier, which sounds like a good thing, but it's like a little bit too meaty for me, but they're not, not, you know, beyond, um, playable or anything because it's basically still the same base game it's just with different enemies different weapons you know new additions and like magic crystals and shit you can put in your swords that weren't there in the first game but uh yes long story short highly recommend infinity blade is good times right on yeah i would agree with that check out the first one i think that's the best one so all right cool thank you for bringing that up um, I will move on to some of my selections here. Mine are going to be really short. Like I said, I didn't have a lot of time to play games this week, so these are just kind of really quickies. I mean, this this one I'm going to talk about now, Uber Uber Quick. Uh, I started playing 88 Heroes, the 98 Heroes edition, which was just released on the Nintendo Switch, I want to say maybe three weeks ago? I don't know. Something like that. It released in October. I didn't know anything about this. 
uh, except that when I watched the YouTube video, it seems somewhat interesting. Here is the pitch. Uh, the developers are in love with the number eight. So like everything everybody says somehow has like an eight in it. Like, uh, you know, the evil Dr. Hate. And it's like the letter H with the number eight after it asks for like $88 million to be delivered and 88 minutes and if not he's going to release 88 nukes on earth and 88 heroes have to stop you see where this is going um so basically the game in its original incarnation had 88 different heroes that the player could use and now they've updated it to add 10 more it's now the 98 heroes edition that sounded really interesting to me and i wasn't sure how this was going to pan out but basically it's a 2d platforming game each level is timed, and if I'm not mistaken, I think you have 88 seconds to complete each level. And the game <laughs> randomly assigns you one of the heroes, and they're all super different. Some seem like they don't do anything. Like, there was one guy who just, like, I think his, his power was, like, looking cool or something. Like, literally, that's all he did. So all you could do was, like, jump up these little platforms and get to the exit door. There's, like, you know, little rando enemies walking around. I think there were some laser beams you had to dodge. Just You're basically just jumping platforms in a 2D way. There was nothing really fancy about it at all. Other heroes, there was like this really big lady wrestler who could pick up stuff and throw it. There was like a dog of some sort that could do something. I mean, it's like, it's so random. Like all these heroes are like really, really random. And if you die or if you get hit by a laser or whatever, that hero is like knocked out and then you just go to like a new hero the next time. So it's basically, you don't get to choose or anything. You just... Whatever the game gives you, use that hero to get through the platforming and then get to the exit door and then just continue. It sounds really cool and really interesting. Sounds like it would have been my jam. And I have to say that watching the YouTube video, I was very, very interested. Once I started playing it, I was like, oh, God, this is not interesting at all. It's really bad. <laughs> it's really bad. I th That was, like, for me, one of the fastest turnarounds from, oh, this looks cool to, oh, God, this is not cool. Like... It was like literally like five minutes. Like it was really quick. The problem with this, um, and just a full disclosure, like I haven't played very much of this. I think I played 30 minutes, maybe, maybe less. Cause I was just like, I'm, I don't want to play this right now. This is not, this is not good. Um, what happens is each hero can basically do like one thing. So some of them are cool and useful. Some of them are not, but because the game never knows which one you have, the levels have to be very, very basic because they have to be able to be completed by any one of the heroes. And as I'm sure you can imagine, you know, with like 98 heroes and not all of them do the same thing, like they don't all have a double jump. They don't all have a gun. They don't all have flight powers or whatever. You can't design levels that are uncompletable with certain heroes. So like every level feels really bland and boring, like just really, really basic, like, oh, level design 101 kind of stuff. And the heroes themselves, I mean, it's kind of interesting in terms of novelty, but you don't really get to know any of them because if you die once, they're gone. So it's not like you get to practice with anybody's moves and everybody is so basic. Like, it's just like it, it, you can't really get into a groove. You don't really learn anybody. You don't really get a feel for how the game is going. It's just like, oh, here's a new hero. You've got 88 seconds. Hurry, hurry, hurry. And then you're doing your best you can to get to the exit. And, you know, you're, like, learning what your guy even does. I mean, that's not a lot of time to figure out what your guy does, how you should use him. Uh, and then, you know, you're probably going to die because you don't know what your guy does. And then you start with a new one, the whole cycle starts over, and it just is not very... It doesn't look very good. The graphics are not great. 
the levels are super boring, and I just, I, I cooled off on it, like, really, really, really fast. So, uh, I may come back to it um, when I feel like I can spare the time on a game that I don't really like, but I think it's kind of on indefinite pause for now. I don't really recommend it, and uh, a quick look at Metacritic seems to pan out uh, that a lot of other critics kind of had that same reaction that I had, so um, not too surprised. It better idea on paper than it is in practice. Have you heard of this at all, Corey? I'm guessing probably not, huh? I had not until I looked it up right before the show. It's on the Switch now, but it's on other systems as well. I think it might be on consoles and PC. It's probably on PC for sure. Um, it's, it's weird because I feel like people are seeing how hungry uh, Switch owners are for software right now. And I'm seeing a lot of stuff like flood the Switch. Like in the beginning, it was cool because there was a lot of really interesting games that were hitting. Um, a lot of really cool indies uh, and stuff that I've been waiting for for a long time is finally making it to the uh, the Switch. So that's great, but not all of that stuff is quality. There's a lot of crap that seems to be flooding it. And the store seems to be filling up fast. I really hope that Nintendo steps in and starts to curate some of this stuff because it's getting harder and harder to tell what's something worth uh, five bucks on and what should be avoided. So, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying this is a terrible game. Like it should never been released on switch, but it's definitely a lower quality game and not something, um, that I feel like Nintendo should be putting on their library right now. If I was them, I would be wanting just like the best stuff right now, getting the switch off to the best start possible as we head into the holiday season. Um, so anyway, do not recommend this one. One more quick shout out really fast because I didn't play a lot of 88 heroes. I also played one minute of Cuphead on the Xbox One. <laughs> um, I was not planning to buy this, but a couple of things happened. First off, everybody in the world is still talking. I mean, not not so much now as when it was released, but like the buzz was pretty deafening for this game. And I felt like in a critical way, I needed to play it just, to, just so I could be part of the conversation, just so I could, you know, just participate. I mean, this is definitely on a lot of people's radar this year. It's what a lot of people were talking about. And it felt like I was missing out by not playing it, but I had been doing a pretty good job of holding off because I was pretty sure I was not going to like this game. But then my son saw uh, his friend, he went over to a friend's house and his friend had it and he was playing it over there or he watched his friend play it and he thought it looked really cool because it does. Cuphead, as I'm sure everybody knows, is the game that was released. I mean, it's like an indie game. It's in production for like, I think three years or something like that. It's the one that looks exactly like, like a twenties or a thirties cartoon, like from Max Fleischer Studios or some of the really, really early Disney stuff. I think they actually call it rubber hose animation because everybody's arms and legs move like rubber hoses. I hadn't, I didn't even know that was even a term until, uh, game critics writer, Mike Susky used it in his uh, review. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Are you making this up? And I looked it up and I'm like, Oh, Susky's right. That's an actual term. All right. That one gets a pass. So yeah, we, he, he started up, he really wanted to play. And I was like, well, it's really hard. And you know, I don't know if you're going to want to play this. It looks cool. I mean, it looks very cool. Animation's awesome, but I don't think this is your jam. And he's like, no, no, no. I want to play it. I want to play it. It's so, so cool. I want to play it. So I'm like, okay, fine. I kind of wanted to play it and he definitely wanted to play it. So I figured I would give it a shot, downloaded it, fired it up, Watch the opening movie. Oh my God, it looks so cool. Look at this animation. It's amazing. He starts playing it. He did not finish the first level. And my son's really good at games. Like, I mean, not as good as me because he's still really young, doesn't have the experience. But in general, like in, in all of the eight-year-olds in the world, I feel like he's probably in the top percentile, you know, he's really good. 
And he did not finish the first level. He tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. He almost got to the very end. And he got to the very last attempt that he made. And he's like, fuck this game. Fuck this game. I'm never playing this game. Delete it. And he, like, walked off. And so I was like, okay, number one, I understand your feelings. Number two, I just spent 20 bucks on this game, so I'm not going to delete it. And number three, I, <laughs> I didn't say I told you so, but I kind of told you so. So um, I, I, I will come back to Cuphead at some point, probably after uh, the holidays are over, after things quiet down. It looks really neat. I'll give it a try. It may end up being one of those games that I beat just to say that I can beat it because it's one of those one of those games. Um, but I'm not really like super psyched to get into it, and I didn't play enough to even really talk about beyond the anecdote that I just shared. So that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at with Cuphead. Hmm. I uh, will never play this game as long as I live. So I don't even know what to say. That I'm tired of hearing about it. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, basically, basically. So yeah, we can leave Cuphead alone. I just wanted to throw out a quick mention that we had that we had that unpleasant interaction with it, and that I will return to it at some day in the future. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Corey, Wolfenstein Two: The New Colossus. This is another game that I feel like I probably won't enjoy because I tried the first Wolfenstein, bounced off it. People kept telling me over and over it was a wonderful game, great story, you got to get into it, one of the year's best, and I tried a couple times, and I just, it's so boring to me. I don't like the gameplay, but I'm still really interested. And this one, Wolfenstein 2, it's really pushing my buttons. It's got a lot of hot-button political stuff in it, a lot of commentary. They're very clear about their anti-Nazi stance. That's a big win for me right now. I'm very curious as to hear uh, what you have to say about it, man, so lay it on me. New Colossus, what's the deal? Well, I played it, I spent about three or so hours playing it today. I just got it from Gamefly a few days ago, and I put it in for the first time today and started playing it. But um, to piggyback off of what you said about uh, the first Wolfenstein a little bit, I actually kind of had, I mean, I had a similar starting experience because I played, I think I had rented Wolfenstein, um, the the last one that was on, um, you know, I can't remember what it's called, like the the i don't know the new order new, new order, order yeah the new called? order yeah uh-huh so and i i basically did the same thing i played it for like an hour and i was like man i just really don't like this and then i don't remember what were the circumstances for me playing for me trying it the second time but um i think uh i don't know if like some time had passed or if i decided i wanted to rent it again or if i bought it or something i cannot remember why i played it a second time but I tried it a second time and I ended up liking it the second time around. And I don't think that it's like, um, you know, like the most amazing shooter I've ever played in my life, but it's, it was just oddly one of those games where I had to like try it again and kind of like get on its level. And I've had this experience with other games before, like fallout three is a similar experience where the first time I played it, I didn't really understand what the game was trying to do and I didn't really understand the kind of game that it was and I totally played it for like two hours and hated it and then like years later I came back to it and I totally totally fell in love with it um so it's just weird how sometimes that happens but I played um I played all of the first one I bought the DLC add-on the I can't remember what it's called the something old order I don't know what the fuck the it's old, called the, but, the, the old um, blood was it the old blood old blood yeah that one um so i've played through all the dlc stuff too and 
I started Wolfenstein 2 today. I played it for about three hours. And, I mean, long story short, it's just more Wolfenstein. Like, it feels like a... I mean, it basically where the first one ends, the second one picks directly up and keeps going. So it almost feels like a, it's got like a kind of like a Kill Bill volume one, volume two vibe to it where you're getting like, you know, two full length things that are basically just kind of could have been packaged as one game like a long time ago. Um, so, I mean, it's basically the same thing. It's first person shooting. It's Nazis. It's you are bj blaskowitz and um shooting nazis i mean i i i don't know like i like it and it's fun enough to play but i'm not falling in love with it as much as i thought i was going to because it has a lot of really bad story concessions that i'm not into um like for example um the stuff i'm going to be talking about happens within the first like hour of the game so if you're somebody who wants to go into this totally totally blind then um, I don't know, like fast forward five minutes or something. Um, I'll put the timestamps in the show so that way you can know when we'll finish talking about the game. But um, like, so it picks up right where the first one leaves off and I'm not going to talk about where the first one leaves off in case people haven't uh, finished the first one. But you end up on a, like on a, a German U-boat with your whole crew. The game has a pretty solid cast of characters. And... Um, you th there's a point where uh bj starts having uh like flashbacks to his childhood which is something that like didn't really happen in the first game at all and it's weird because it like it sets up this kind of scenario about like how his dad was kind of like not great whenever he was growing up and and you know they grew up in like texas and his uh, mom was Jewish and the dad is like, you know, like a conservative Texas dude. And there's this flashback sequence that basically tries to pack so many like bad character qualities into the dad character that it feels so calculated that it basically lost all effect on me. Like there's a, there's a cut scene where BJ's like 10 years old or so. And in the span of like about two or three minutes, this cut scene, it manages to cram in, uh, the dad using the N word a few times, um, being anti-Semitic, uh, a domestic abuser, a child abuser, uh, animal cruelty, um, and, like, torture a little bit, um, and, and, like, and it just, like, packs all of that into, like, a couple of scenes. So you're, and, you're average, you're average Trump supporter, basically. I'm sorry, say that again. So he's your, he's your average Trump supporter, basically. Well, I mean, I guess, like, I don't know, like, I, I don't want to, like, I mean, I'm not going to, like, categorize this, but it's just annoying because it's, like, it feels like it's so, like, you can tell that the writers just sat down in the writer's room and they're like, how many bad qualities can we put into this two-minute scene? And it just becomes so, like cartoony that I just I was just annoyed by it like it, it basically it feels so like like oh we picked bad guy subclass 452 you know type 11 alpha with subclass 
11G and just programmed it all into this bad guy. And it, it's just, I don't know. I was just really turned off by the whole thing. And I wasn't turned off in the way that they wanted me to be turned off about it. Cause it's like, obviously he's a bad guy, but it's like, how much stuff can you cram into this like bad character to try to make his, make him seem as bad as possible. And I just thought it was really annoying. And another thing the game does that really bothers me is it does the thing where like, you know, obviously every gunfight you're in, it's you shooting Nazis and they kill you. You know, if you if you lose, you know, they kill you over and over again. You checkpoint, whatever. But every time, like, a story bit happens where, like, the main... Ba- you, like, come in c- across the main bad guy in the game, or main bad woman, I should say. Um, she always, like, takes you hostage or, like, captures you... And it totally goes against the grain of everything that the gameplay is doing because, like, all the soldiers are trying to kill you. But then every time you see her, who's supposed to be, like, the big bad, she, like, captures you. And it reminds me a lot of Uncharted where, like, you get in these gunfights over and over and over again until, like, you know, the layman's enemies, they always kill you because obviously why wouldn't they? But every time you come in contact with the main bad guy in an Uncharted game or in this game, they, they always, like take you hostage and interrogate you and put you into this like stupid like James Bond like death trap thing that you know you're going to escape from because like that's how the game goes like the game's not just going to have you die like that would actually be kind of refreshing but it's like it's just annoying whenever you die and checkpoint over and over and over again and then you get to a story session and suddenly it's like oh wait never mind we're not going to kill you we're going to like take you hostage and put you in this like death trap thing that you're going to escape from. And it's that kind of storytelling that I'm really, really tired of and that I'm really over. And I don't like how the story, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, like the, the pretentious term, like the ludo narrative dissonance, they call it where like the actions of the game go against the story that the game is trying to tell. And it does it all the time. And I find it incredibly annoying And I also am not as into the cast of characters in this game because, like, the interesting thing about Wolfenstein 2 is that, you know, obviously, like, I mean, America is not in a great place right now. Like, we literally have Nazis in America right now. And this game suddenly seems so much more interesting because, like, Wolfenstein has always been about killing Nazis. Like, the the base bad guy enemy that any video game that any movie that any comic book you know that any tv show book could go after is the nazi because they're like the default horrible people in the world like that's just the way it is like they're awful that's the people you can always count on that everybody can rally behind to want to murder but america you know flash forward to america 2017 that's suddenly not the case anymore like you have people that are nazis you have people that are nazi sympathizers So the game has come out at this weird time in America where, like, it's trying to, like, make a statement about, like, killing Nazis and about, like, the state of, you know, America and about, like, being complacent. But it's also, like, a fucking Saturday morning cartoon where you're, like, hatcheting people's arms off and, like, you know, you're doing these, like, lengthy, uh, like, torture interrogation cutscenes and... I don't know. It's just like, it's just silly. Like the whole thing is just silly to me. And the longer I play it, the more irritated I get with the story. And I don't really like the characters as much. And, uh, I just, I, I mean, it like the gameplay is fine enough, but if someone tried like for you, for example, like you tried the first Wolfenstein and you couldn't really get into it. I don't really think there's anything about this game that's going to make you get into it unless you have like 
kind of like a come to Jesus, like second gameplay moment, like I did with the first one where like, you kind of have to, maybe you get on its level this time and you understand how to play it. And like, it kind of takes off, but I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad game, but it's just not, I don't think it's as good as everybody else is saying it is because it's basically just more of the first one with a worse story. And like, I can't take any of the characters seriously, even though they're trying to like make serious points. Like it kind of wants to have its cake and eat it too. And the main character, the guy who voice acts for him, it's the whole game. It's like this grumbly, like Batman voice. And he's trying to like, make really serious points about like there's like a love story with like him and a woman that's on the u-boat and like that was part of the first game and it's just like too it's too much it's too much too much story too many characters not enough of them are interesting there's too much stuff going on the story i feel like is moving too quickly and this whole addition of like bj's like backstory with like his abusive father and like his jewish mother like I don't really feel like it needed to be there and it's just like muddying up the narrative and I I mean I, I like the game the gameplay but I'm just not really here for any of the story stuff like it's just not really hitting any any notes with me right now interesting interesting well like I said I haven't played this one yet but I'm willing to in principle praise it because from what I can gather it seems like one of the few games lately that's not afraid to make a statement. I mean, maybe that statement is not landing with you or maybe it's not a well-written statement. I can't say for sure, but just from what I'm gathering and from what I'm hearing from other people, I mean, it seems like they're very, very much taking the Nazis are fucking terrible, fuck all Nazis kind of uh, attitude, which it would be no big deal in general. Like in the, you know, for the last, anytime in the last 20, 30 years, no big deal. That's just, you know, de facto game development. But it kind of is a big deal. I mean, there was some pushback by people who thought that all of a sudden shooting Nazis was not a good thing, which I can't even fucking believe I'm even saying. Uh, <laughs> Nazis just come of the ear, fucking kill all Nazis. I don't care. I hate them. And I'm glad that somebody is not. I'm glad I'm glad to see that they're not like hedging their bets. Right. Like where I mean, maybe they will later on in the story. I don't know. But I'm glad they're they're not taking the teeth out of killing Nazis, you know. So, I mean, I guess props for that, whether or not the game is good is kind of a separate uh, separate uh, discussion. But, you know, good on machine games for doing that, which, again, ordinarily, nothing to really celebrate. That's like <laughs> 101 game development, but it's kind of is something to celebrate these days with so many people saying, oh, compromise or see the other side or whatever, like really trying to portray Nazis like people that are people too. fuck those guys. So I'm glad that they they went ahead with the fuck all Nazis attitude, uh, which is exactly where I am at. I will uh, I will say, I mean, as much as I want to, like, play this game and I kind of feel like I should. It's another one of those like I feel like I should play it games, even though I kind of don't want to. My one of my big problems with the first Wolfenstein was that, I mean, number one, I'm not the biggest fan of first person shooters. In fact, I think you probably like them more than I do. I don't like them very much. And I, I try to get into Wolfenstein because people kept telling me to. Good story, good story, good characters. It really goes places. You should play it. Okay, fine. But, I mean, when I played the first couple hours, I kept finding myself getting, like, lost. It sounds kind of weird to say it, but I would often, like, just be running around the levels, just circling and not really sure where to go and not really being very focused. And I just, like, it just it wasn't interesting to me to run down these hallways and to shoot these Nazis uh, I just, nothing about the gameplay really stood out to me. So 
is that basically what they do again here? Like, uh, is it still with the same semi-confusing level design and just basically just nothing, nothing above just shooting Nazis when you come to the actual gameplay sections? I mean, pretty much. the The thing that the only things that are that I detect that are a little bit different this time around is the levels are more often than not pretty short, which surprised me a little bit. Um, I mean, the first like few hours of the game, most missions only take about like five or ten minutes to complete a piece, which I found uh, pretty interesting, pretty short. Um, the the thing that sucks though is that the cutscenes surrounding the missions are often very long. Like this game kind of reminds me of like it's like kind of like Max Payne three in a way, where like I'm pretty sure the cutscenes are going to be like more gameplay than the actual game, which I find incredibly problematic for this kind of game because I don't think the story is interesting enough for me to like want to sit around and watch all these cutscenes. But I mean, to answer your question, it's pretty much the same but i don't i don't have any problem getting around in the levels this time around or at least i haven't yet um i don't think i've gotten lost yet and if you press like the down arrow on the d-pad it brings up a little um like a little uh, like reticle that shows you where to go uh, most of the time so that is pretty helpful okay that's cool um I guess I don't really have any questions. I mean, in theory, it seems like something that I would like to support, but I'm just not the biggest first-person shooter guy. And I still have a copy of the first game here. I think I bought it on sale. And I wasn't... I mean, I, I tried to play that at least two or three times and just didn't... It never clicked with me. So uh, I don't see any real convincing reason for me to pick this one up. So I'll probably wait until it's like on super, super sale and then I'll buy it for some strange reason and never play it. But... <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, are you going to push through and finish it, you think? Or what are you, where are you at on this? Uh, I'm probably for sure going to finish it. I mean, it, like, it's fun enough to play. So it's not like it's not one of those games that I'm playing and I'm like, oh, God, this sucks. Why am I playing this? But it's just like most of the time, like when a cutscene takes over, I like kind of stop paying attention to the game because I'm not really that interested in what's going on. But uh, but the gameplay is fine. Uh, another thing I want to mention real quick, though, is that the game is fucking hard as fuck like there's like five difficulty levels i started on the second one um because i think the third one is like the medium medium and after like a half an hour i bumped it all the way down to the lowest difficulty level and luckily the lowest difficulty level is not hard like it is it is actually like a you know an honest to god kind of easy mode but um i was surprised because i'm pretty sure i played through the first one on whatever like the medium difficulty is but I mean, this game will tear your ass up in a heartbeat, like, if you're not paying attention, I guess, or if you don't, like, you know, get behind cover or keep picking up health or keep picking up armor. So, um, no shame, but I am totally playing this game on easy because it is really hard. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Um, I guess we should probably uh, move on, but let's check in with you after you have completed the game. I would be curious to see how you felt about it. Once you wrapped it up, I mean, I hear some people saying that it was definitely worth playing all the way through and that, you know, things happen, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, let's check back in. Sound fair? That sounds like a plan. All right, cool. Let's get to uh, our final game that we've been playing, and then we're going to talk about the games that were shown at the Paris Games Week. Uh, we'll get to those in a second. But before we do that, let's revisit Candleman. Um, I talked about this game on Twitter after you brought it to my attention, Corey, and I was actually really surprised by how many of my fellow critics had never even heard of this game. 
I thought that it had gotten at least a little bit of buzz back when it released uh, January 2017. Thank you, Corey, for the notes. Um, by a, I want to say it's a Chinese team that we're working with the ID at Xbox program. Uh, we, we covered it here on the show. We both really liked it. And in fact, we talked about it quite a bit. And in fact, I went on to write an article about it because the ending to it was like so powerful that really like wrecked me for a week. Like I was really fucked up by that ending. (laughs) I know you liked it a lot more than I did. And I thought the game was great, but that ending just fucked me up. So I, I did an interview with the developers. We talked about it on the show. We did a review at Game Critics. So, like, we were trying our best to get the word out. And I, I'm shocked at how many people had no idea this game existed. Nobody had ever heard of it. So I've been doing as much as I can to pimp this on Twitter. And the reason we are talking about it now is thanks to you, Corey, for tipping me off. When the game was released, it had, I want to say, nine levels? And that was the end. And after we had reviewed the game, the developers told me that they were having some DLC, which may or may not change the ending. That really surprised me because they didn't say a word about it before we had reviewed the game. They didn't mention a word about it until after the buzz had started to die off a little bit. And the ending to me was like huge like it was a huge deal and i'm really surprised that they didn't say anything about it so that dlc finally arrived and to be fair and i'll get your opinion on this in a second Corey, i don't think it's actually dlc i mean it is in the sense that it is downloaded it is added to the game but it's free and to be perfectly frank it just feels like the last three levels that were not included with the game in the first place it doesn't feel like a new expansion it doesn't feel like a twist on the formula it feels like the legit ending of the game that probably should have been there in the first place. So that DLC is out. I've completed it. Corey, you've completed it. I've talked a lot. I'm going to let you take over. Remind us really briefly what Candleman is, what you felt about it the first time, and what do you think about it now? All right. Candleman is, uh, you're right, it's a Chinese developer called Spotlighter Interactive, and they developed this as an Xbox One exclusive. And it's a platformer a slight puzzle platformer but mostly just platformer where you play as a little candlestick with legs and he runs around the environment basically all you do is run around and jump but the twist if you will here is that if you hold the right trigger it lights the candle like he's off by default and if you hold the right trigger his little flame lights up on the top and the uh the sort of like um, like handicap here is that his flame can only stay lit for, I think it's 10 seconds per level. So you basically have to ration out the flame in dark areas in order to light it up, kind of get a sense of the environment, and then keep moving through. Because if you use the flame too much, uh, he dies, and you have to start over either at the beginning or at a checkpoint. And I reviewed this for Game Critics back in January whenever it came out. Um, I didn't know anything about the game before I saw the uh, the email, uh, so I Googled it, I looked it up, and it looked interesting, and I played it, and I'm really glad I did, because um, it is it was in my top five of the year for the longest time, and now it has been moved down to number six recently, but um, if that doesn't tell you that it's an excellent game, then uh, I don't know what will, but I, I adore this game, I love it, I think it's 
Uh, I think it's just really creative. Um, I mean, it's just a platformer, so it's not like they're, you know, rewriting the book on video games here, but it's really creative. It's really colorful. Um, it's really whimsical. Uh, the music in it is fantastic. Um, it's got a nice, like, kind of fairy tale, like, storybook vibe. Um, most of it is kind of kid-friendly, like, to play with, you know, children or to have a child play it. But, um, I mean, the last chapter before the DLC, uh, things get a little heavier, so I'm not going to spoil what happens uh, What happens in the last, like, couple of chapters. But um, it gets a little bit scarier. There's, like, monsters that chase you at some point, and then the ending is... Um, like Brad, like you said, it's pretty traumatic, which I loved because I'm all for kind of like an unexpected ending. But, uh, I mean, I do agree with you. Like the DLC, definitely, it's just like three more levels. And I have like kind of like a love-hate feeling about this because whenever I played the original game, where it ended, I really loved that ending. I thought, um, I, I mean, I thought it was very unexpected in a way that, both uh traumatized and satisfied me in a strange way and uh, but i'm really glad that i got to play this dlc even though it only came it's been almost a year since the game came out because the last uh, three chapters that it introduces are i mean they've carry on in the vein of the game they're very whimsical they're really pretty they add some new like elements in that kind of like change up the way you play it a little bit that are very interesting and kind of freshen things up but um, this DLC kind of ties a little bit more of like a clean bow on the ending. And I'm okay with that now because like I've had time to process the original ending. And now that I get this ending, I also think it's really powerful. But what I feel bad for is people who play the game now and play all of this for the first time because like I feel like they're almost going to get robbed of having that like original ending and now they're going to get to press straight on to like the tie a bow on everything ending and I mean really I just want everybody to suffer the way we did Brad whenever we both <laughs> played it because <laughs> I mean it's almost like it's kind of like not fair because I wish everybody else would get to you know experience that ending and have to really digest it and then move on to the dlc later but anybody who buys this game now i'm i'm i mean i don't know if the dlc will download automatically if you buy the game because it's free it but, does um, yeah it does okay so like i mean it really like whenever you go to the game there's nothing that differentiates the dlc from the main campaign you just keep playing it there's not like a dlc menu or something so like I mean, I still love this game. I actually really loved the DLC ending, but I think I appreciated it extra because I knew the way the original game ended and kind of the way the DLC ends. And um, I just thought it was really beautiful. I, I love this game so much, and I'm so sad that people like that you and I are like the only people <laughs> that have played this game. But I I just I adore this game. I think it's so lovely. Yeah, man. I man, Okay, so there's like a lot to talk about here, and I wasn't sure if we were going to spoil <laughs> it or not. I think it's probably best maybe that we don't spoil it, but I mean, a, a lot of what I'm thinking and feeling really hinges on those two decisions. I mean, the first decision to end it where they did in Chapter 9, and then how they chose to end it in Chapter 12, which, I mean, honestly, I feel like probably was the real ending. I don't know if they just like ran out of time or money or whatever, and they just decided to stop it at Chapter 9, because... The way that the new stuff integrates, like, there's literally nothing to tell you it's even DLC. Like, when you... So here's what happened. 
I, I originally had deleted the game after I finished it before I knew that there was going to be any DLC. And I figured, oh, that's fine. I'll just download it again when the DLC comes out. So I did download the game and the DLC came with it and it was totally fully integrated. There's nothing at all to tell you that there's any DLC. So people getting this game now will not ever know that there was ever an ending at the end of chapter nine. I mean, that content is still there, but like you said, you'll just keep rolling to chapter 10 and you won't have that whole, I don't know, that grief or the, the, the what we took away from chapter nine is not going to be there for people. So that's, I mean, I agree that it was really powerful. I mean, it, it fucked me up. I was really fucked up for like a week <laughs> to the point where I felt like I needed to talk to the development team about it and see why they did that and what was going on and what was their thought. Ultimately, their answers to me were pretty unsatisfying, which makes sense in, in retrospect, because I don't think that's where they originally meant to end it. So, I mean, I'm guessing they ran out of budget or did just, you know, didn't QA the last levels or something and held on to it. I don't know why it took so long to get that DLC out. I mean, maybe they did it on purpose to kind of bring this back into the conversation for fourth quarter for critical purposes, top 10 purposes, who knows? But like you said, uh, my son was actually watching me play uh, Candleman for the first uh, few levels because he really liked it a lot. It's very cute. Like you said, very kid friendly. But when it starts getting dark, I had the sense in my head that, you know, maybe this, maybe this is going to get heavy. And so I had him stop watching the last few levels. I'm really glad that I did because I think that he would have been very, 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 um, it would not have been good. I'm glad that I had him not watch that part, which was great. So I, I did bring him back for the DLC because he had fond memories of that game and he wanted to see more. And he sat with me for this part. And I'm really glad that he did. He really liked where it went. I really liked where it went. I thought, like you said, the mechanics were new. I thought they were fun and fresh. And <clears throat> it was just really well put together. It's a great cap to what you do. And I felt like so moved at the end of this game. I really did. I really felt genuine emotion. And I cannot say that about most of the games I've played this year. I really felt something for Candleman and for like what the developers are saying and how they chose to end it for real this time. I mean, I definitely felt something the first time, but I, I really like, I know that you liked the, the original ending. I, it was powerful to me, but I can't say that I really enjoyed it. Uh, but this one I really felt like was more in tune with kind of what I was wanting from it. And I just thought that it was so sweet uh, maybe a little bittersweet, but still really sweet and just really beautiful. Like, honestly, beautiful. I just, I really like what they've done with this game. I really think this is a great game. And when they ended it at chapter nine and we had no more DLC, I got to be honest, it wasn't even on my top 10. I liked it, but I didn't like it that much. It was, you know, it was in the top maybe 15 for sure, but it just didn't make the final cut. After playing the DLC, it's for sure on my top 10. So that, for me, really tells the whole story, really improved my take on it. I really like what they did. And I think it's just a beautiful, beautiful game. I really would recommend it to anyone. So it's going to be on my top 10 for this year, absolutely for sure. And I would definitely recommend anybody listening to the show. If you're listening to the show, you are probably the kind of gamer that would get some value out of playing Candleman. And uh, since nobody else on earth has played it, I would definitely like other people <laughs> to check it out. So... I'm really glad that they finished the game. I, I, I can't even say it's DLC. I feel like they just finished the game. I'm glad they did. I'm glad that I got to play it. Thank you very much, Corey, for bringing it to my attention because there was no hype. There was no mention. There was no PR. I didn't get a single notice of anything that they had finally finished the game. And I'm, I don't know how you found out about it, but I'm glad that you told me because this it was definitely one of my favorite experiences of the year. And, uh, yeah, I'm really glad that, uh, we got to play it again and revisit it again. Good. Beautiful, beautiful game. I loved it. 
yeah i can't really i can't really agree more this game is is a really beautiful like i i am i'm genuinely sad that more people are not talking about or playing this game like because i mean this is kind of like like whenever like journey came out and it was like the game that everybody was talking about that was like you know kind of like you know different and emotional and impactful and like you know it was on everybody's like top three of the year like like this is that like Candleman is journey but it's better i like this game so much more than journey or i mean a lot of games that are in that same vein like journey like rhyme like um i mean i can't even think of any of any other games that are similar in the genre at the moment but Candleman is like in the top and i feel like if more like i don't know maybe like big time game journalists or something were playing this then there would be a much bigger discussion and appreciation for it but it's just shitty because nobody's playing it so it's like you and i are like kind of like trying to hold the torch as high as we can for this game but we have uh you know a much more limited audience than say like you know ign or GameSpot or whatever so it just sucks i feel bad for the developers because this game deserves to be celebrated because it's so beautiful but um, you know, there's a very limited number of people playing it. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to talk about this game a lot and hopefully people are going to get annoyed and just try it to shut me up and they'll try it <laughs> because I think your I think your comparison to journey is really apt. I mean, I think journey is a great game. I really enjoyed journey, but I think in many ways, Candleman is actually more powerful to me than journey was. Uh, it connected with me, uh, on a deeper level and it was more, uh, of something that I could really embrace and something that really touched me a lot more than journey did. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not shit talking journey. I like journey a lot, but <laughs> Candleman to me just really, it really got to me. Like it really, it really touched me deeply. And I, you know, it's not really apparent. You look at the picture, it's a fucking candle with two feet on it. Like, what is that? Like, it doesn't mean anything, right? <laughs> it looks, it, it, you know, you just look at it. You're like, what is this? What is this dumb game? I don't want to play this. And you move on to call of duty or whatever, but like, man, this game really is a beautiful piece of art and it really has emotion and it has a soul and it really has something to say and I just, I got nothing but good things to say about Candleman. So um, we should probably move on. We are running a little bit late right now, but anybody listening, please try Candleman uh, and just don't let it pass you by. I know it's an Xbox exclusive. That's a big barrier to a lot of people who don't spend a lot of time on Xbox. I mean, we certainly don't, but it's worth tracking down. It is one of, it is one of the things that I think makes my Xbox worth owning. I would recommend it to anybody. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I've got nothing but good things to say about it. Uh, please check out Candleman. It is it is marvelous. Yes. You, yes. Every every word is true. Excellent. All right. Let's move on. We're running a little bit late, but we do want to talk about the games shown at Paris Games Week, uh, specifically the Sony games. Um, so this is kind of a funny story. Uh, well, I mean, maybe not a funny story, but an interesting story because. <laughs> Uh, starting November 1st was Paris Games Show or Paris Games Week. Um, we don't hear a lot about it in the States, but apparently it was pretty important this year because Sony had a lot of new announcements. They haven't really done that in the past. I mean, there's always been like one or two things. Um, and some of the info they talked about, we already knew, of course, from E3 this year, but a lot of it was brand new. I mean, apparently they held back quite a bit from E3 and kept it under their hats in order to roll it out now. Uh, with, you know, with what I assume the purpose being to keep the buzz rolling into the fourth quarter. So there was actually quite a bit to dig into. Um, so right now, 
we're going to just go through the trailers they listed. I watched all the trailers. Did you watch all the trailers, Corey? You watched most of them? I watched most of them, but not all of them. Okay, so we're going to go through these fast. We're not going to spend a lot of time on each one, but if there's something to talk about, let's talk about it. If there's nothing to talk about, we'll just move on. I'll go through them one by one, and then we'll just cover these. And I think there's a couple of really interesting things here. So, again, this is uh, the trailers that were shown at the Paris Games Week, and these are the Sony trailers. Uh, the first one, and the one that I think is getting the most talk, or at least the most reaction, is The Last of Us Part Two. Now, they showed a cinematic-only trailer. They did not show any gameplay. It was very graphic. And I think that anybody who played The Last of Us is familiar with how that game was. That was a very emotional game in some parts, very graphic in other parts. Didn't pull a lot of punches. But this trailer very graphic i had to I, so something that we do in my family whenever e3 rolls around i get a list of all the trailers and we watch them like we all get together on the couch and we just watch the trailers as a family i stopped this one immediately i mean i knew like i wasn't going to watch it but i was like well let's just see if it's like an emo trailer because the last one they showed was like uh what's her name what's that girl's name in last of us the uh ellie ellie yes she was like playing guitar so that was a fine that was a fine trailer to watch no big deal this one I stopped immediately. Very graphic. Watched it on my own. Um, it shows... I mean, I, I don't think this is a spoiler. It shows a woman, like, being hung. And she's about to be stabbed. And then they catch this other woman. These are not characters we know. These are new characters. Uh, they break her arm in several places with a hammer, like, graphically. And then people get killed. And it's just really brutal. Uh, it didn't do a lot to tell me anything about The Last of Us that I didn't already know, being familiar with that world. I knew it was really dog-eat-dog, -dog, really brutal kind of post-apocalypse. And it kind of... Um, I don't know. Like, it was... it. It's not something that I wanted to see. Like, maybe in the proper context, something like that could have been okay. Like, if I had been playing the game for a couple hours and I knew the characters and I knew the situation, maybe that kind of thing would have been okay, possibly. But to show that as a trailer, I thought it was pretty gross. What did you think of that trailer, Corey? Um, I like yawn. Like, that's what I think about this trailer. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, whenever, um, Hitman Absolution was coming out and they released that really terrible Attack of the Saints trailer where it was like all the sexy nuns and 47 was like punching and shooting all of them. Yeah, totally. That? Totally. Yeah. This, this is, this is that it is, it is unimpressive violence for violence's sake just for shock value, for no context to story, no character development, no, like, like there's nothing here but violence, and it's fucking boring. There's no creativity here. There's nothing interesting going on. There's not a hint at any story elements happening. It is just a bunch of people in a boardroom that said, Hey, let's make a really violent trailer so we can have people react and get uh, and get buzz about this. Um, and and, f and fuck everyone, fuck women because the the whole trailer is women on women violence. Um, you know, fuck what any women think about this. Uh, and oh, by the way, like well, something about this kind of storytelling that really bothers me is whenever, whenever you get that. Um, that pretentious air of like you see a story or you see like a snippet or a trailer and it's like you can tell that the like the people who were creating this trailer were thinking like like oh imagine if we lived in this world this future world where 
there's a lot of violence against women. And it's like, we don't have to imagine that. That's where we are right now. Like, there's nothing creative or interesting about this trailer. It's just people getting hit with hammers for, like, and that's it. Like, there's there's nothing creative or interesting about this trailer. It's just a bunch of fucking white guys in a boardroom who decided that the best way to show off their game was going to be women hitting each other with hammers and trying, attempting to hang each other. And that's how they want to market their game. And I'm bored to death with it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that was really well said. I agree with everything. I mean, I think, I do think it is boring, but I felt like it was more like offensive than boring to me, but I definitely, I mean, I absolutely am on the same page with you. I did not think it was a good trailer. Did not think it was a good approach. I mean, I loved uh, The Last of Us. Did you, what was your, what was your take on The Last of Us? You played that, right? Yeah, I actually played The Last of Us twice. I played it on PS3 and I played the PlayStation 4 version too. And I mean, I thought The Last of Us was fine. And that's what I thought of it. Like, I did not think the story was that great. My takeaway from The Last of Us is that everybody who was talking about how like, and I think I've said this on the show before, anybody who talked about how the story was like, so amazing and so groundbreaking and so deep and so emotional have only have mostly experienced stories through video games in their lives and the bar for video game storytelling is is really really low it's like below sea level it's so low and anybody who's super impressed with the last of a story like maybe try reading a book for once in your life or watching a movie for once in your life because the story is not good you just are so used to awful video game storytelling that you think it's good and it's it's a freaking robbery. Tell us how you really feel, Corey. Don't sugarcoat it, man. I want you to just lay it out for us. <laughs> well, I, that's just how I feel about it. I'm so tired of people acting like The Last of Us is this like benchmark for video game storytelling because the story's fucking bullshit and people don't realize that because they're so used to getting awful stories through video games that they think that a below average story is good because most of what we get in video game storytelling is, I mean, at it's, it's so far below average that it's like at the core of the earth, like you can't get any lower. So <laughs> I just get so annoyed when people talk about how great the story is in the last of us, because it's not great. You're just used to awful storytelling. Uh, I, I like the last of us a lot more than you did. I don't think that the script was perfect, but I did like a lot of it. Um, it was, it was my game of the year when it came out. I really enjoyed it a great deal, but I mean, that's a discussion for another day. I do agree with your sentiment that in general storytelling is kind of in the basement. That is for sure. So, um, yeah, I was, I was looking forward. Well, no, I, I don't know that I was really looking forward to another last of us. I don't think I really needed another last of us. Um, I think I was okay with the game ending where it ended and just having that be it. And this trailer definitely didn't get me fired up about what I can be looking forward to. So I think for me, this trailer was a miss. Sounds like it was a big miss for you, too. Yeah, it was a big miss. And I mean, I, I, I'm i with you on the sentiment that I didn't want another The Last of Us. And I mean, like, and I'm not even saying that because I didn't think the game was that great. But what I would have preferred is... A, a last a last of a sequel that basically does what silent hill does and it takes like a whole different cast of characters and puts them back in the same kind of world and does it that way but of course naughty dog can't help themselves and they have to bring the you know their regular characters back to tell a part two of a story to make more money um for a story that probably doesn't need to be told so um i yeah that's how i feel 
Well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's it's possible that they may do that. I mean, it, although they did show Ellie, and I think they referenced Joel in the last trailer. I may be mistaken about that. But this trailer didn't show anybody that we knew. So, uh, you know, maybe they will do that. Maybe they will have a whole new cast of characters and just take us to a different part of the world. I mean, that might be interesting. I definitely don't want a continuation of the last characters. But uh, let's move on. Let's move on uh, to something uh that i think showed a much better trailer than the one we got last time detroit become human from your favorite game director and mine david (laughs) cage uh the well-known david cage uh i was interested in this game before their previous trailer and demo which i played at pax not very interesting (laughs) but this trailer Really interesting. They did a very good job of selling the game, really explaining the conflicts and the potential of gameplay. Uh, I wish they had showed this one first because I think this one is much, much better than what they've shown before. In this trailer, they show a an android, I don't know, housekeeper, servant kind of uh, creation who looks just like a human being with a little circle on her forehead, which is the only way, I guess, to tell if someone's a human or an android goes into a household run by an abusive father and his young daughter. And the the trailer runs through many different outcomes, showing how your decisions as the android can affect everyone in the house. Like, it can end in tragedy. It can end in slightly less tragic ways. I mean, it could be a fight. (laughs) It could be running away. I mean, it showed, like, really how you could move things along with all the different choices available to you and how things can shift. Uh, very interesting and also it really captured the emotion like I I very quickly could imagine if I was an android you know limited by programming but also smart enough to recognize how things were happening in the world how would I react to that that's a pretty interesting concept to me and I think that this trailer really sold me on this game what about you Corey I mean I I've been interested in this game since it was announced because David Cage um, as problematic as he is for the gaming industry I will most likely always play every game he puts out because with the exception of Telltale, which does their games in a slightly different way, um, David Cage makes games that I can't really find anywhere else. Um, I'm not super sold on this trailer because there was a lot of discussion with this trailer too because basically this trailer is like, uses like pretty extreme like domestic violence situation to, um, to like sell the game and... I mean, the thing about David Cage is, like, he thinks that he's a really, like, successful and pragmatic writer, and he's not either of those things. And he... I I don't really trust him to deal with sensitive situations like this, like situations that involve, like, domestic violence or child abuse or sexual assault or, like, you know, like, or, uh, you know, like, racism or anything like that because I don't think he is, like, um, cultured or mature enough to handle that kind of writing in a good way. Um, But with that being said, I will definitely still play this game. I'm interested in it. But, I mean, it's just more of what David Cage has already been giving us. I mean, all the way back from Indigo Prophecy, the whole, like, here's a scenario. There's ten different ways you can solve it. I mean, he did the same thing with Heavy Rain. He did the same thing with Beyond Two Souls. And now he's just doing it all over again with... um, with uh, Detroit. Um, So, I mean, it's not... It's pretty, like, rote at this point. But, I mean, it's still interesting enough for me to want to play. And, I mean, I'm looking forward to this game, but I'm not expecting the writing to be 
good because David Cage's writing is always very questionable. I don't disagree. I think for me where Cage is strongest is he is best at creating scenes. I think he can create some really powerful scenes. I don't think he creates very powerful like works. Like his works always fall apart uh, because the pieces don't fit together or they're not really well thought through or, you know, a dozen other reasons why Cage games are not good as games. But I think he has some really powerful scenes and he really can get strong emotions out of people. Maybe some of that is uh, a little cheap. You know, he knows the buttons to push, especially for parents. Uh, that's that's for sure. Uh, but I'm interested to see where this goes. Uh, I, I enjoy his games, even if I don't really enjoy them. I've played, I think, all of them. I haven't finished Beyond Two Souls. I want to go back and finish that one. I got sidetracked for some reason. I'll go back and finish that. But I have played his other works. And I think that he's really somebody, regardless of what he does, I want to know what he does. He's always doing something that is is of interest to me, even if I don't like it, if that makes any sense. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to this one. Uh, for sure. Uh, let's move on really quickly. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus remake. Did you ever play the original, Corey? Uh, I played it for like about two hours, maybe, uh, whenever the HD collection came out on PlayStation 3. And um, I didn't really like it. So I'm not interested in playing the remake. I'd, I probably won't play it. All right, cool. I did enjoy the original uh, for the most part. I had a little couple issues with it, but in general, I do think it's pretty amazing. Uh, this remake, wow, big step up graphically. Uh, hopefully, they will remain true to the source material. Uh, not much more to say on that. I mean, it looks like Shadow of the Colossus again, just prettier. Uh, I will probably <laughs> get it for my wife. I don't think she ever played the original, so that'll be something that we can probably play as a family. That'll be a good family game. Uh, but yeah, it looks pretty good. Destiny's expansion, I don't give a fuck. Do you give a fuck? Uh, not really. I didn't watch the trailer, so I'm not really, I'm assuming it's just going to be more Destiny. Yeah, I don't give a fuck about Destiny. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> moving on, the God of War combat trailer. I think God of War looks really interesting as a game. I really want to check it out. But this trailer that they showed was basically just him in one scene fighting a couple of, I don't know, mo undead monsters or something. I'm kind of not even really sure why they showed it because it looked like God of War combat. I mean, different, but just combat kind of like what they've already shown i didn't notice a whole lot of new other than the fact that your son is kind of calling out things in the environment um i don't know i mean what's what's your interest level on god of war what's your barometer uh i'm not really that interested i've only played two two god of war games all the way through the very first one and the chains of olympus on psp and I'm just not, I'm not really that interested and I'm not, I'm, I'm over this genre of like dads in games, like dads with kids thing. Like I'm, I'm over it. I am not over it. And I'm, very, <laughs> I'm very interested in it because all the developers are now having kids. And I think that people are starting to see games in a new light. And although I, I, you know, I don't think we're done with this. I think there's a lot of exploration that can happen with this kind of perspective um, but it's interesting to see how people who may have made one game 10 years ago are making a different kind of game now or at least considering making a different kind of game uh, and as someone who is a father myself and who spends a lot of time on child rearing and cares a lot about kids I'm very I'm very um, excited about seeing where this type of development's going I mean there's a lot of problems a lot of pitfalls a lot of things to watch out for but I'm glad that we are finally getting around to it 
and I'm curious to see where it goes. So I'm interested in God of War, but this particular trailer didn't really do anything for me um, at all. Moving on, uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2, I kind of don't care, and I double don't care because they're focusing on some of that uh, prequel bullshit with all those, uh, <laughs> you know, those three movies that I, were like the worst fucking movies ever. Do you care about Battlefront 2? Uh, I have a slight interest because it has a story mode this time around, but I'm not like my hype level is like not. I mean, if we're talking like through the roof, it's only like about three feet off the ground, probably. Yeah, I'm not excited either. I mean, I'll, I'll play the story mode and my son will probably play the story mode. I mean, we like Star Wars in this house. We're not crazy insano fans, but we're definitely like a Star Wars uh, fan house. Uh, so we'll play the story mode and I probably will not play the multiplayer for even a second so whatevs i don't really care this trailer didn't really show me anything that i didn't already know so not a great trailer moving on this is kind of a weird one ghost of tsushima which is put out by sucker punch who were the people who made sly cooper and also infamous the trailer was just a cinematic trailer and they showed ah yeah i want to say it was like a mongolian invader i mean i could be totally wrong on that talking to somebody in Japan kind of taunting him. And then at the end, it looks like he's like, I don't know, former samurai. And then at the end of the trailer, he kind of puts on his combat gear. looks like he's going to go cut some dudes up. It didn't really tell a lot about what kind of game this is or what we can expect. It didn't really say much of anything. What was your take on it? I am very interested in this game, but I'm really, really worried that it's just going to end up being Assassin's Creed Samurai. It's possible. You know, did you play Infamous or any of the Infamous games? I played some of both of the first two, and I played all of Second Son. Okay. I, I mean, were you a fan? I, I was not a fan. I liked their work on Sly Cooper. I thought they did good work there. I was not a fan of what they did with Infamous. That series really had a lot of problems for me, and I it's not their best work, if you ask me. I'm curious where they're going to take this, but what was your take on those games? Did you like them? Did you like what they did? Uh, I mean, considering I didn't finish the first two, I didn't really like them. I feel like I only finished the second one because it was like I had like just gotten the PS4 and it was kind of like hot new shit at the time. Um, So I'm not really I mean, they're like, okay, but it's just like I don't know. I feel like it's kind of like nothing we haven't seen before. It's just like open world. Like, I mean, the superpower twist is kind of nice. Like, it's kind of maybe a little bit unexpected, but um, I don't know. They're just like, okay, it's just like kind of like another open world game, but with superpowers. Yeah, they weren't great. I got to say they weren't great. So I don't know what they're going to do with Ghost of Tsushima. I mean, we really didn't have anything to go off of. There's no way of telling what kind of game this is going to be. Although we can hazard a few guesses, but I'm sure more will be revealed later. Uh, next was a another cinematic trailer for Star Child. This was a VR title. Sony gave lots of VR love in this Paris, uh, in this Paris show. Uh, this showed... I don't know, a woman who was like her spirit was exiting her body and she was taking over some kind of a, I don't know, gun turret, a robot or something. And that's really all it showed. Um, what was your any, any interest in this? Interested? Don't care? Uh, I mean, it, I guess like it kind of looks interesting, but I don't know, like I have no idea what the game itself is, so it's hard to tell. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Another VR title they showed was I'm assuming it's Bow to Blood is what the title is. I mean, I don't think it's Bow to Blood. It's probably Bow to Blood. This one looks like you're in control of a pirate ship that flies through the air, and it's in first-person VR, 
you're kind of like steering the ship and then people would show up on your boat and then you would shoot them and kind of like manage what was going on on your ship. At the same time, you're racing your ship around. Uh, me and my, it was kind of hilarious. My wife and I were watching this trailer together. As soon as the trailer were over, we both look at each other. We're like, that looks fucking boring. (laughs) 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 Like literally like in sync. Um, and that's probably why one reason why we are such a good couple. Uh, Corey, what was your, (laughs) what was your take on bow to blood? Uh, I did not even watch this trailer, so I have no thoughts about it. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you watched this one. Okay. No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, Monster Hunter World was shown. Um, you know, I'm really, really excited for that. I think this is going to be a great step for Monster Hunter. They didn't show... I mean, they showed new stuff I hadn't seen, but it was already kind of in line with what I'm expecting, so it's not like I was really surprised by anything they showed. But, I mean, I'm excited. I'm going to play this day one. I'm really on board for Monster Hunter. Uh, you, what's your feeling on Monster Hunter, Corey? Interested? Not interested? Uh, not really interested. Um, wasn't there, like, like, like the hot shit with this reveal? Didn't they, isn't, like, Aloy from Horizon gonna be in it or something? Is that oh, DLC that's or right. some shit? It's such hot shit that I totally forgot. You're exactly <laughs> correct. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, they are doing a collaboration. So you can have, it looks like Aloy, the, the star of Horizon Zero Dawn, it looks like you can have her character model in the game. You can also have her outfit and her bow. And then in the game, you also... Monster Hunter always has a little um, cat sidekick that goes with you uh, just to like help you out, and they do different functions during the missions. In this particular add-on, the cat looks like one of the robot animals from Horizon Zero Dawn, like it's a mechanical cat done in the style of Zero Dawn. So I guess that's cool for people. I mean, that game seemed pretty well-received. I didn't care for it very much, but... Uh, uh, you know, okay. I mean, I'll, I'll get it if it's free to download or something. I won't pay any extra money for it. But uh, if it's not accessible to me, I probably won't care because I'm, I'm more about Monster Hunter than the Horizon. Was that was that interesting to you at all? Would you like to play Aloy in this world, Corey? Uh, I mean, I probably won't play a Monster Hunter in the first place. But, um, I mean, it seems like uh, maybe kind of like a smart move to cash in on putting Aloy in other places because Horizon was really well received. So I don't know. Hopefully that is successful for them or something. Yeah, it's probably a really smart marketing move. You're probably correct on that for sure. I think I'm definitely in the minority of people who didn't care for that game. But uh, yeah, it's probably a smart move. Get some crossover, get some synergy going. Synergy, synergy, that's the word. (laughs) Uh, Next up was Spider-Man. They didn't show a lot. They hadn't already shown, I don't think. I mean, the first trailer we got at E3 was pretty lengthy. Uh, I don't know. Anything Anything stand out to you about this trailer, Corey? Uh, not really. I mean, I'm going to play this, and I think it looks really fun. Um, the big thing I'm worried about, and I've seen other people voice concerns about this too, is that um, it looks like it has the potential to be very like QTE heavy, which is worrisome for me. But uh, other than that, I think it looks like fun. Yeah, I'll play it for sure. It looks good. It, I'm guessing it's probably going to be one of those like one and done. And if it's really cinematic and exciting, that'll be fine. I don't mind QTEs. I'm not expecting it to be anything that I probably would sink a lot of time into. I'm guessing it's going to be like one of those four hours and you're finished with the campaign. And then there's some bullshit collectibles to pick up if you want to. So <laughs> we shall see. But I'll definitely play it. I mean, I'm a Spider-Man fan. This game looks pretty good. And uh, it's being done by what? Insomniac? I mean, they got some good programmers over there. They got some good people responsible for the ratchet and clank franchise although um resistance was kind of a bomb but ratchet and clank's good i bet i bet this will be good uh next up was call of duty i don't give a fuck about call of duty do you give a fuck 
Uh, no, and it already between Paris Games and us recording this, Call of Duty already came out. So oh shit, is it news. out already? Yeah, I think it came out on Friday or Tuesday last week or something. Oh my god, that's hilarious because I haven't heard a peep about it. Have you heard a peep about this? Uh, no. I mean, I've seen like a few people tweet about it, but I just haven't really been paying attention because I'm not interested in it. Oh my God, that is amazing because I literally had no idea this was already out and I'm, <laughs> I follow every fucking games journalist on Twitter. I have heard nothing about this one. That is so bizarre. I can't believe that. I'll have to uh, shake into it because I think the lack of buzz might be a story into itself. But yeah, I, <laughs> you, I literally had no idea. That is so amazing. And, and Call of Duty is usually such a big blockbuster. Maybe uh, maybe it's time has has passed. Maybe we shall see. Next up, Blood and Truth. This was another VR title where you play, I don't know, a dude with some guns shooting some people. <laughs> this was like the most generic ass fucking boring VR game. I was watching this. I was bored watching the trailer. It is literally a dude shooting guys in VR. Like, and the trailer was fucking absurd because it showed this guy. Uh, this douche bro who was like strapped into PSVR and he was like running around, ducking, like acting out all the motions. Uh, PSVR is not, a, it's, you're usually seated for most of the gameplay. Like it is not a room scale VR, so it cannot take into account moving around an entire room the way this guy was like jumping out of fucking windows and sliding and shit. And I'm like, man, this is, this is a gross misrepresentation of how this game is going to play. And this game looked boring as fuck. It looked so generic. What did you think, Corey? I mean, it looks like kind of like generic spy thriller, the game, uh, perhaps. I mean, if I had PSVR, this is the kind of thing that I would probably rent on Gamefly just to try out, but um, probably would not pay for it. But a uh, fun fact, because I'm a fucking parkour nerd, um, I actually know the guy who was in the trailer. I mean, I don't know him, know him, but his name is Chase. Uh, I think his last name is pronounced Armitage, if I, uh, I hope I pronounced that correctly. He's a freerunner based in, I think, London. Um, so, like, when I watched the trailer, I, I didn't, when, it, when he first sits down and puts on the headset, I didn't realize it was him. But, like, the more I watched the trailer, I was like, is that Chase? Is that him? And then by the time I got to the end of the trailer, I was like, oh, I actually know who this person is. So it's kind of funny that they got a professional free runner to do oh my God. this commercial for them. I cannot believe they wasted money to get like some professional athlete to do this fucking douchey generic trailer. <laughs> that is the <laughs> that's the worst. That is the worst. This game looks so fucking boring. Okay, moving on. Uh, Erica. Now, this one was interesting to me because this one is going to take advantage of Sony's PlayLink, which we talked about uh about when i brought up planet of the apes a couple episodes ago this is so playlink is the program which you can download to a smartphone and it acts as a controller when you're watching this uh interactive movie style of game uh, i couldn't exactly tell what was going on but it was like erica is clearly the main character of this story where you make choices um you know there's going to be probably a lot of these coming out because sony from the way developers tell it to me, Sony's making a big push with PlayLink, but from like looking around in the real world <laughs> on Earth, it's like no one fucking knows it exists, right? Like they haven't spent dime one on hyping this thing, and I think they really need to get their shit in gear. Otherwise, this is going to be DOA, but there's actually a number of games coming out very soon, which all take advantage of PlayLink, and the new idea is let's get your friends together. Everybody's got a smartphone. Everybody likes games. This is really easy to do. 
It's short. It's, you know, low investment. People can get in and just have a good time. So I think that's a good idea. Having played it myself, I think it's going to, it will work if they can let people know that it exists. And if there's enough games out there to take advantage of it. Uh, this one, I'm sure we'll play just because me and my wife are planning to play all of them. Uh, but it looks, I don't know, like, uh, there's just not a lot that I could tell. Uh, she's some woman in trouble, basically. So, Corey, what about you, man? <laughs> she is some woman in trouble. That... Did you mention uh, that this is like a, like a movie, like like one of the movie games where you just like select the outcomes and you're like watching a live action movie? Wait, say again. I, I you cut out for a second there. What'd you say? Oh, did whenever you were talking about this at the beginning, did you mention that this is like a live action game thing? Oh man, I'm sorry. You're cutting out. I can't hear you. Oh shit. Okay, never mind. We can move on. Um, but if you didn't mention it, it, it's like a live action thing. Like, um, I can't even fucking remember the other games that we've talked about a few of them on the show before. But like the game where the guy does like the car, like oh, like the bunker and like yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The other one, I know what you're talking about. The guy who steals the car and he goes on that adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. this is just like another one of those. Do you want it? You want me to do it again so we can like cut it in, or what do you want to do? Sorry, I, I literally could not hear you when you were talking. <laughs> no it's okay <laughs> all right yes well, it's a it's an fmv game folks it's a real it's a real action game we fucked up that segment it is an fmv real <laughs> actors sorry we had a little bit of a technical hiccup there could not hear my co my co-star um moving on hong kong massacre which i mean that name is like kind of a shitty name uh it looks basically like top-down run-and-gun shooter reminded me a little bit of Hotline Miami, except for it had slightly more realistic graphics and a lot of, like, you know, Hong Kong cinema-style moves, like sliding, and it seemed like there was people jumping and stuff. I mean, it just looks like Hotline Miami to me, but just different. What, what about you, Corey? It looks like if Hotline Miami and Stranglehold had a love child, that's what this is. Yeah, basically. That's agreed, agreed. It looked a little bit generic, a little bit boring, but who knows? We'll see. Uh, Guacamelee 2. Now, this one was a huge surprise to me. Uh, I loved the original Guacamelee. Uh, Corey, did you play it? Any, any thoughts on the original Guacamelee? I did not play it. And to be completely honest with you, I don't even really know like what it is. Oh, my gosh. I loved Guacamelee. It was one of my top games of the year when it came out. It was uh, a 2D platformer that was very stylized in the way that the art was very colorful, very angular, uh, very, very attractive. It had a uh, Mexican theme kind of, I don't want to say a day of the dead theme, but there was, there was some um, afterlife kind of themes going on. Everything was like, you know, Mexican theme, which I thought was pretty cool. And the hook to Guacamelee was that it was kind of a Metroidvania, but the thing was your attack moves also doubled as your traversal moves. So, like, for example, the main character would have, like, an uppercut, and the uppercut would, like, launch him into the air, and it would hit guys, but you could also do it just to get up to, like, a higher level. So, like, all of his moves kind of pulled double duty, and it was really tight, really uh, well put together. Great action. I mean, I love Guacamelee. Wonderful, wonderful game. Uh, one of my favorites, for sure. And I had no idea they were thinking about doing a sequel. I had no idea this was in the works. This was a complete surprise to me. And I was so, like, pleased and shocked and just like, oh, my God, like, Guacamelee too. Like, I never in a million years thought this was coming. And I am thrilled. So I am very, very excited about this one. Would definitely be up for more of uh, that formula. It looks like they've added to it. I saw a few things that were clearly different from the first game. So it seems like, you know, more of the same but better, bigger. So I think that would be appropriate for this uh, this instance. 
Would definitely recommend it to you, Corey, if you are interested in kind of a Metroidvania with a little bit of a spin on it. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe someday. It's It hasn't ever really been on my radar, so I'm not sure if it's going to make it there um, in the future. No worries. But if you ever do see it for, like, on sale, I'm sure it's probably pretty cheap on PSN these days. Maybe worth a maybe worth a look. I don't know if it'll be your thing, but I think that as far as Metroidvania style games go, it's one of the best ones. I think it's really, really, really good. Uh, big fan of Guacamelee. Uh, moving on, another complete surprise. I had never heard of this title before. I had no idea what it was, and I fell in love with this trailer. I thought this trailer was wonderful. It's called Concrete Genie, and it shows a boy who finds some kind of a magic brush and he's able to paint these wonderful pictures on the sides of buildings and the creatures that are in those pictures come to life. Apparently uh, it's going to be some kind of an emotional game because this boy is, is getting bullied. And so he's kind of like trying to get away from the people who are bothering him. It also shows the monsters that are painted on the sides of the walls have kind of a puzzle element. Like one can generate electricity and that goes into some wires, which like opens a door or one can, uh, I don't know, like pushes boxes off a shelf that's up higher on the building or something like that. So looked very uh, unique, very uh, kid friendly, very I mean, I could I can almost, you know, the tears were almost already coming. I could see where this game was going. Seems like it's going to be a very emotional type of game. Uh, I love the look of it, though. I think it looked very interesting, like the 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 way that you paint on the sides of buildings. Seems like the player has some control over that. And seeing these creatures that are kind of trapped into a 2D plane while the kid is on a 3D plane was interesting. Uh, what, what was your take on Concrete Genie, Corey? Um, it looks like the kind of game that maybe like five years ago I would have been like, oh, this looks like a little kid game. I'm too cool for this game. But I actually, I mean, if it is kind of like a, more of like a like an easygoing sort of like, fairy tale like experience um you know almost like a narrative adventure game if you will uh it's definitely something that i feel like i could get down with um at this current uh point in my life yeah it looks definitely like they're going for that kind of emo indie narrative heavy possibly experiential with like just enough gameplay to hold it together kind of thing i'm i'm up for this one this one was probably my favorite trailer of everything that they showed i was really into this one um, so I would recommend people check this one out. Uh, a couple more to go. Spelunky 2. Uh, we talked about Spelunky recently. I think it's a great game, but I hate the art style. Didn't really get into <laughs> it. What, what was your take on Spelunky? Uh, never played it. Never will. Okay. So clearly, maybe we are not the intended audience for Spelunky 2, but a lot of people in my feed were really jizzing themselves over this. Uh, I mean, a lot of people consider Spelunky to be one of the best games of its kind ever created. Nobody expected a sequel Here's a sequel, and it seems to uh, star the daughter of the original Spelunker. Uh, maybe a little bit more narrative. I mean, maybe maybe the guy who created Spelunky, I think his name is Derek Yu, maybe he had a kid. Maybe we're seeing the dadening of Spelunky. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, I'll check it out. If the art looks better, I'll get into it. If not, I'll give it a pass. Uh, final game that they showed, Horizon Zero Dawn, The Frozen Wilds. We just talked about Horizon a second ago. I was not a fan of this game. I don't think it's very good. Uh, Frozen Wilds, the DLC, looks exactly like Horizon, except for there's snow. Uh, <laughs> Corey, what about you, man? Um, uh, I don't know. I finished Horizon. I thought it was okay. Um, the interesting thing for me about how they're like really banking on this Frozen Wilds thing is like 
there was snow in the original Horizon, so I don't know if this one's like snowier. But I mean, I feel like they're marketing this in a way where it was like, like, oh, remember that bleak desert landscape of the original Horizon? Well, now we're gonna have snow, but like there was snow in the first one, so like I don't feel like this is really that special, but. I mean, whatever. If people liked Horizon, this is just going to be more of it. So, um, I don't know. Enjoy it, people, or what have you. Yeah, it looked basically like just more Horizon, period. So, if you like that, great. If you don't like it, whatevs. So, that was what they showed. That was a pretty big show for something that traditionally people in America don't pay any attention to at all. We don't often talk about Paris Games Week. So, that was uh, some pretty sly planning on Sony's part, because we're certainly talking about it now. Uh, we did ask for a couple of comments from our listeners on the games shown. Uh, we did get some feedback, and uh, here is what they had to say. Corey, do you want to take the first one? Uh, I will do that. Um, first is uh, from Gabriel Romo, at SleeperHit79 on Twitter. Uh, says he cannot wait for Detroit, and that that trailer got got to him. Yeah, I feel that. I feel you, Gabriel, for sure. Uh, next one comes from Michael London. Uh, from Twitter, he says, Massive love for PSVR that was missing on E3. Also, Loco Roco 2 in 4K will make it worth getting a PS4 Pro. Yeah, we didn't mention that one. They didn't have a separate trailer for Loco Roco 2, uh, but they did show it on some of the uh, on the stage. I didn't cover that because I didn't watch the whole show. But, uh, uh, I mean, Loco Roco is good. Are you a Loco Roco fan? Uh, once again, never played it, probably never will. Oh, okay. It's pretty cute. It's, it was a, a showcase title for the Vita where you kind of uh, had these little happy looking ball blobby characters that were like <laughs> rolling around. And so you kind of move the Vita around and kind of roll them on these little slopes and you slid them around. It was pretty cute, pretty colorful, fairly abstract, but a, a good little title. Um, so yeah, that would be a good title. Wouldn't mind a little more Loco Roco. That was good times. Uh, next comment, Corey. Uh, next one comes from Austin Parkin at Brood Wars 64 on Twitter. Uh, says meh. Outside of Concrete Genie and Guacamelee 2, Sony showed nothing of consequence, and these were the big announcements planned for PSX. Uh, well, those were certainly my picks. Uh, Austin taking a fairly dim view of the show. Uh, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, they're, not everything there was Superstar, for sure. Uh, next <laughs> one comes from Alexander Diamante. I love saying that, Diamante. Is that the best last name? I love that last name. Say it with me, Corey. <laughs> Diamante. No. <laughs> ah, God, you leave me hanging. Okay, fine. <laughs> he says, I know it's not everyone's bag, but the big PSVR showing from Sony was nice. Obviously not a repeat of the Vita. Maybe? I don't know. I mean, I felt like the Vita got a little bit of love at first, but that really tapered off. I mean, I don't think we've seen a killer app for PSVR. I'm not convinced. What about you, Corey? Is, is PSVR not the next Vita, or it is? Uh, I think it's not the next Vita, and I think you are sorely mistaken, Brad, because the day that Superhot VR came to PSVR, it had a killer app. I would be inclined to give you the benefit of the doubt on that one, because I do like Superhot quite a bit. Um, but I don't know, man. I just, uh, I'm just not feeling PSVR. In fact, as we were watching uh, the show, like all these trailers, I was looking at my wife, and I'm like, has any of this sold you? Like, are you excited about psvr should i be pricing something out she's like no and i'm like yeah i mean either i was like but you know that's the weird thing because i mean being a critic being so invested in games you know having games be such a big part of my life you would think i would be one of the dudes who was like raring to get one of these in the house and i just 
I just I'm having trouble caring about it. I've tried all of the sets. I've tried PSVR. I just I just don't. I just kind of don't care. Not yet. Haven't seen anything to really sell me. So I don't know. I mean, we've talked about you and VR before. Has your has your needle moved at all after seeing these announcements? Uh, I mean, I feel like PSVR is one of those things that I have said and will continue to say that I will probably get at some point down the line. I mean, maybe that's a year from now if it sees like a price drop or if I start making enough money that's substantial enough to where I feel like I can buy one. Like it's definitely something I want, but it's not something I need like right now or any time in like the immediate future. But I definitely would like to get one at some point. All right, all right. We will uh, we will continue to talk about PSVR and VR in general as uh, time goes on, I'm sure. Uh, next comment, Corey. Uh, this one comes from Barry Goosens at PostRockerNL. Uh, says, well, let's hope Ghosts of Tsushima has some serious Tenchu vibes, which I actually agree with. Um, I miss Tenchu Stealth Assassins from PlayStation 1 era. That was an excellent ninja game. I mean, it was if I went back and played it today, it would probably be god-awful, but at the time, I remember liking it. And I would like for Ghosts of Tsushima to have that kind of vibe, to have like a almost like a Hitman vibe where you're in like individual levels and you have to like plan you know like a like a samurai assassin kind of thing for each level but i am willing to bet you that it's going to end up being some kind of open world triple a bullshit probably probably i was a big tenchu fan too back in the day Uh, i think i played all of the tenchu games and those went downhill like in a hurry the first one First one had issues, but it was pretty cool. And in fact, I even brought the soundtrack. The soundtrack was killer on that first game. Uh, And each sequel got worse and worse and worse. And I kept wanting another game just like that. I don't think there are very many. I think there was one that came out recently on PS4 that people were kind of like, meh. And if you want ninja action, I mean, I talked about this earlier, but Shadow Tactics, Blades of the Shogun, not a third-person game. I mean, it's like a top-down strategy game, but that game is ninja as fuck, and that game is awesome. <laughs> Not the same thing as Tenchu, but if you like those themes, definitely recommend Shadow Tactics. That is an amazing-ass game. I mean, we don't know what Ghost of Tsushima will be, though. I mean, if it turned out to be, like, a Tenchu-like game, that would be bad. I would be down for that um, 100%, but, I mean, we just we just don't know. So, uh, Barry, let's hope that you are onto something there. Um, I think we have one final comment. Corey, you want to read that last one? Uh, yeah, this is from good old friend of the show, Mike Susky. He says, I'd love to ask someone on their marketing team, what about that Last of Us 2 trailer is supposed to make me want to play the game? Oh, dude, Mike is not wrong. He's not wrong. I mean, we covered this already, but yeah, I, as someone who was a fan of The Last of Us, nothing about that trailer really made me excited about what I could look forward to. Uh, that That trailer was a mistake, and I think you are correct. They were playing that for... Uh, just reactions and i mean reactions were had i think they were negative some people say uh you know there's no such thing as bad press i don't know that that's necessarily true uh but yeah it didn't sell me and clearly they did not sell mike so uh yeah i hear you susky for sure uh and i think that's all the comments we had this has been quite a journey hasn't it Corey? It has been. I I hate to be that guy, but I am tired, Brad, so let's wrap this up. That's my line. You stole my line. (laughs) I'm always the tired guy. You're the one that got the nap. No fair. 
But you are correct, sir. You are correct. This was a mammoth uh, episode. And for those listening, there's still uh, banter at the back end. Uh, but yeah, for, for you who do not listen to the banter, this is the end of the show. Um, if you don't want the banter, feel free to bail right now. We'll catch you next week. Uh, but if you do like the banter, we got a lot of it coming after the end music. But uh, regardless of whether you stay for the banter or whether you bail, please remember that you, dear listeners, can send us your comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you would like to. You can reach us, uh, Podcast at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter as a show, at SoVideoGames, and you can reach us individually. Corey, where can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at Corey Motley, which is my first and last name. It is C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. Excellent. I'm also on Twitter uh, as myself, Brad Galloway, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's. No O's, not a single goddamn O in my name. <laughs> and with that, that takes us to the end of another So Video Games. Uh, we will be back next week with another installment. And remember to stay tuned after the music for the banter if you wish. But for now, this is bye from Brad. And bye from Corey. We will see you guys next week. like oh here the ring couple rings core answers that's how we start the show i didn't get those rings i feel feel off now well i uh i'm at like 100 capacity because i heard them and every time you call me on discord i like the ringtone so much that i wait like seven seconds before i answer the call just because the tone like puts me in the mood for podcasting see i knew that because i actually time you i knew it was seven <laughs> seconds I've been keeping a little log. I've had a little uh, uh, post-it note right next to my computer. Last week, seven seconds. Week before, seven seconds. Week before, eight seconds. You got greedy that week. Let me keep a track of it. That was whenever Dan was on. So I had, like, really, I had to take that extra second to really prepare myself for, like, a guest starring show. <laughs> <laughs> got to brace yourself. Yes, I totally, totally understand. Uh, script look good? Uh, yeah, everything looks fine. All right, great, 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 great. How are you doing, by the way, sir? Uh, pretty good. I had, like, forgotten. I took a nap a little while ago because I got up early this morning, and I, like, I just remembered, like, 30, not 30 seconds ago, maybe, like, five minutes ago that we had played Warframe earlier today, and I was like, oh, yeah, that was today. Like, I have already talked to Brad once today, and it seemed like so long ago because I've napped between then and now. Did it feel like you started like a new week? Because usually like, you know, we record on Sunday and it starts, that's the end of the week. And so like the new week begins that you were already in like the next day, huh? <laughs> I mean, I guess, and it doesn't help that like daylight saving happened. So like now, like, you know, time is totally thrown off by an hour. And like I got up and like it was light outside and I was like, oh, it must be this time. And then I was like, oh, no, wait, it's actually this time. And then, you know, it gets dark an hour early. So it feels like it's like 10 p.m. whenever it's like 530 in the afternoon. Oh, God. Daylight Savings is the stupidest shit. I wish we would just get done with it. Like, it just messes everybody up. And oddly, you know, usually I hear about it beforehand. And so I'm like, oh, prepared. But for some reason, I didn't hear a word about it this time. I had no idea. And so I went to bed. And then when I got up and the clock was wrong, my whole, you know, I was confused for a second because it, it didn't seem right. And 
Uh, you know, and I just, this is so stupid. I mean, it was originally started to what, like, make the most of the day so farmers could harvest the wheat before they lost the sunlight or some shit like that. Not, not a factor anymore. Not really a factor anymore. <laughs> we should just stop it and just, everybody, just get used to it. it gets dark, it's still five o'clock. Gets light, still five o'clock. We don't need to change the fucking clock. Whenever I was a young child, I always thought that um, that daylight saving kicked into effect before. Because I'm pretty sure, I don't know, actually I'm not going to say I'm pretty sure, but I feel like there was at least one point in my life whenever I was younger where it consistently happened right before Halloween instead of right after Halloween. And in my head, I was always like, oh, well, of course it comes before Halloween, so that way it gets dark earlier, so that way kids can go trick-or-treating earlier, and that's, like, how I rationalized it in my head. But that, I don't know if I either made that all up and, like, it never happened before Halloween, because I don't think it's happened before Halloween in a while. And so now, like, I still think about that to my youth. I'm like, I'm like it's so weird that it happens after Halloween, because it wasn't, like, the whole point of it, so that kids could go trick-or-treating earlier, and then I have to rethink about it and be like, oh, no, actually, that's not it at all, as a matter of fact. Wow, that would be a pretty major concession to all the trick-or-treating kids across America, like, the entire country <laughs> would, like, reset their clocks just so kids could go out and get candy, like, an hour <laughs> earlier. That would be... I mean, that would be really sweet and nice. I don't think America is capable of that emotion <laughs> or that they would really give a shit right now. Yeah. Uh, but that is a very, I've never heard of it described before uh, in that way, but that is very, uh, very quaint and sweet. I guess. I mean, maybe I thought it was just like a twofer, like, you know, of course, like the crops or whatever stuff, you know, too. But I was like, oh, well, as like a slight concession, it also happens before Halloween. But I really think I just made all that up in my head. Well, that's a. I mean, I don't know. That seems to make more sense these days than it does about farmers going out and getting their fucking crops or whatever. I mean, we've invented like electric lights since that time. We don't need <laughs> uh, to, f to follow with the sun, you know, like, you know, oh, the sun's going down. Oh, well, I guess that wheat's gone. I'm not going to harvest that wheat. Like, turn on a light. We're, we're fine. We don't. The rest of the country does not need to pay the price for this. <laughs> Maybe there's like a, a, a like a New York Times story out there or something about like if there is any actual effectiveness for it in this day and age, because like maybe there is, and we just don't know about it because you and I aren't farmers or something like that. Or maybe it is totally something that we need to just do away with that has like no real effect anymore. I would bet you, I mean, I don't, I'm not an expert. I don't know. And I didn't Google anything before the show, but I would bet you any amount of money that there is literally no purpose for it anymore. <laughs> and I'm guessing we're probably the only country on earth that does it. I don't, I haven't heard of any other countries that do it. Um, I mean, I mean, to be fair, not many countries are as large as the United States. So some of them don't even have multiple time zones. But I think we probably are the only people that ever do it. Speaking of which, see, this kind of reminds me. Um, we have a lot of traditions in America that are stupid and that nobody ever changes them because they're just the way that they are. And nobody ever takes two seconds to think, does this still serve us? Is this still important? So, like, I had a really interesting interaction with a doctor the other day. So uh, this doctor um, comes in. And she's a younger doctor, really, like, real young. And, I mean, granted, I'm older. I don't feel like I'm older. And I don't think I look like I'm older. Um, maybe some people would argue that. But <laughs> I feel I still feel like I'm still okay. I don't feel like I'm a senior citizen yet. Uh, but this doctor looked young. Like, she had, like, you know, brightly colored nails. She had this cool little outfit. Her hair was done up. Like, she looked like she was, like, just out of her 20s. Like, barely out of her 20s. Um, not that you can't be a good doctor and be a woman and in your early 20s. I'm sure she was a fine doctor. But her appearance and the way that she conducted herself made her seem really, really young. And so we're sitting down 
and she's describing the size of this thing. It's not about me. This is not this is not me. It's not my <laughs> medical condition. Totally a separate conversation, but it was something that came up that was really interesting. So uh, that this this person that I was talking to was like, oh well, how big is this thing? And I'm I'm not telling you the whole story because it's somebody's private information. But anyway, um, and the doctor's like, oh yeah, it's like five millimeters. It's huge. And this person's like, well, how how big is that? Can you describe that to me? And she's like, it's five millimeters. And He's like, yeah, but like, how, how big is that? She's like, well, you know what a millimeter is, don't you? And he's like, no. And I'm like, I'm, in my head, I'm thinking, of course he doesn't know. Nobody does the metric system in America. We should, because the rest of the world uses it. And we are like, I think the only country that doesn't use it. Uh, but nobody teaches it. Like, we don't know it. I mean, I mean, I, maybe kids today in school learn it, but I did not learn it in school when I was growing up. And if you talk to anybody and just say, oh, yeah, it's three millimeters. Nobody knows how much that is. Not in America, they don't. And so the guy was freaking out because, like, he had no idea, like, how big is this thing? And, you know, he asked the doctor to describe it. And she's like, oh, well, it's like, you know, it's like it's like one millimeter times five. And he's like, he's like that means absolutely nothing. He's like, is it as big as a dime? Is it a quarter? Like, what is it? And she's like, um, you know, I don't know, five millimeters, whatever. And, like, she, to- <laughs> she totally, see, she couldn't ex- describe it either. So, like, she's using this, this uh, system of measurement that she doesn't even know. So, clearly... She, like, read this lab report and, you know, read it to the guy thinking that he's going to know how big it is. But that just kind of goes to show, like, we in this country should get rid of feet and inches and miles because nobody else in the world uses them. That's, like, one thing where, like, if we really got down to it, we would recognize there is no sense in us keeping this system of measurement because it's just here because it's what we've always done. But, you know, if we really thought about it, just like daylight savings, we would get rid of it because it doesn't make any sense in the context of the rest of the world. That, I mean, I, I do agree with everything you just said, but I also find it hard to believe that somebody doesn't know how long a millimeter is. Like, I mean, any... I mean, do you? Yeah, like, it's on a ruler. Like, any uh, school project I did whenever I was younger, I mean, a millimeter... I mean, it's hard to explain how big a millimeter is. It's smaller than a centimeter, which is smaller than an inch, but... um. I mean, a millimeter is, like, the width of your fingernail. Like, not, like, all the way across, but, like, the point of it. That's, like, the best way I can think of to describe it. Or maybe, like, like a paper clip or something like that. Like, it's very, very thin. I mean, every year whenever I was growing up in school, we in science classes, we always spent, like, one week or two weeks talking about the metric system And then we spent the rest of the year not talking about it. And it was one of those things where, like, you learn it for, like, a week every year in school. And then you totally forget about it for the rest of the year. And then nobody remembers it. But even so, I mean, I know relatively how big a millimeter is. It's very, very tiny. I know very tiny is not, like, a mathematic, uh, like, width or length or something. But I don't know. That's that. I find it kind of fascinating that somebody wouldn't know how big a millimeter is and i'm trying not to sound like arrogant here but like i mean it's a it's a millimeter like i thought everybody knew how big a millimeter was you must you must have been paying attention in class because just like you (laughs) when i was in school we did cover that for like a week and and then you know we had to memorize like whatever the different units of measurement were but then we never used it we never ever used it didn't use it in science class, um, only used it in math class when it was relevant to like a particular problem. It was not like something that came up often, or at least not in the classes that I was taking. And nobody in my real life ever uses it. I mean, maybe maybe you use it more because maybe you come across it more in your photography, or maybe, you, I don't know, maybe your brain just retained it more. 
But I find in the, in my circles, like, I mean, yeah, it's small. Millimeter is small. I mean, I got that much. I think most people know that much. But <laughs> if you had to, like, actually, like, like, draw a line on a piece of paper, like, draw me a five millimeter line. Like, I don't know how many Americans could do that. I mean, it would be small for sure, but I don't think that we would be able to really accurately, you know, portray, like, how big that is. I just, I just think that we should learn it. I think we should learn it. I think that, you know, it, it does make sense to hold on to our traditional you know, feet, yard, uh, you know, uh, yards, inches, whatever. doesn't make any sense. doesn't make any sense. So anyway, I, uh, I respect you and I applaud you. If you can tell me how much five millimeters is, uh, too bad you weren't there that day. Cause that would have made that guy feel a lot better. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, what else you got going on, man? What you been doing this week? We haven't talked for a while. Uh, I know I'm thinking like, I like, don't even know what to talk about. Cause I have like yesterday, this will come as a surprise to absolutely no one on planet Earth. Um, I was out at a skate park shooting all day yesterday. Well, not all day. I was shooting for most of the day yesterday. Um, oh, this you were a very bad boy yesterday is what you were. I remember this now. I yeah. saw you on Twitter. You going to fess up? You going to talk about it? Uh, I mean, it depends on what your idea of fessing up is, because I don't feel guilty or bad about anything I did last night. But um, <laughs> I mean, I can explain what happened last night, I guess. Uh, I went to there was there's a I mean, the, the skateboarding community in New Orleans is pretty like tight, more or less. Like, you know, I tend to see a lot of the same faces whenever I show up to photograph things or at like jams and stuff like that. And there was a guy in the skateboarding community named Madison Blome, I think was his name. He went by Maddie, and he passed away like two or three weeks ago. And I did not know him, nor had he I passed ever... away. Yeah, how old was he? Uh, what happened? I don't know what happened because uh, it's none of my business. But he was young. He was probably around my age, maybe a little bit younger, probably like mid twenties. Um. But uh, he passed away. Uh, I'm not sure what the circumstances were. Um, I didn't ask anybody because I didn't feel like it was any of my business to ask around about it, about the specifics. But he was a friend to a lot of people in the skate community. Um, I had never met him. I had never photographed him, unfortunately. He sounded like, the way everybody talks about him, he sounded like a really great guy. So I'm kind of sad that I never got to, to meet him. But uh, they had a couple of the guys in the skate community decided kind of last minute to put on like a like a memorial skate jam thing for him last night. And I, I literally think they like came up with the idea like the day before. So they like started posting some stuff on Instagram, you know, about how they were going to meet at this park. And they did. It's a park that I've never been to. And I was very confused whenever I saw that address because there are like two main skate parks in the New Orleans area. And I frequent one of them more than the other, but I've been to both of them. And this, uh, this address was just like a kind of like a city park that wasn't really like a skate park. So people just like brought out their own like rails and their own ramps and stuff to kind of like make a skate park on the, on the basketball courts. And we were out there from about two thirty until about eight thirty or nine or so. And, um, one of the fascinating things about New Orleans that I didn't know until I met here, or until I met here, until I moved here, is that um, they there are not any open container laws here uh, as far as, like, alcohol on the streets go. Like, where I grew up in Missouri and also in Nebraska, and I feel like probably most of the country, um, 
you know, whenever you buy liquor at a liquor store, you know, it goes in a brown bag. You can't have it open on the streets. So you're supposed to kind of drink it like in a restaurant or in your house. And if you like are at a bar and you're drinking, you can't take the drink outside with you. Well, in New Orleans, none of that applies. You can be walking down any street in New Orleans with any kind of alcoholic beverage in your hand, drinking it, and and it's fine. Like, it's not, I mean, it's not like an offense or anything here. So the kind of cool thing about that is that, like, at the skate park, everybody can just be, like, drinking beer, like, out in the open at the park and not really have to worry about anything going on or, like, any, like, police, like, you know, busting us for drinking or whatever. So one of the guys that... I'm friends with in the skate community whose name is Philip and he's kind of like he's kind of like a like a like a dad skater like um he's not like a young kid he's probably like maybe like late 30s I want to say um so he's like a super fucking old guy well I mean I didn't mean it like that (laughs) but I mean he's like he he is a gentleman he's not like you know a 16 year old skater he's like he's been married he's been divorced he is about to get married for the second time to a woman who's also been married and divorced i think he has a son i don't know if it's with his fiance or if it's with his ex-wife i'm not sure but um so he's like you know he's he's a more mature guy he's not like you know a 20 year old so but and i like him and i like him because of that because whenever you're you know like i don't know 26 up you know, hanging out with like 18 year olds is sometimes not the coolest thing. So it's nice to have like people who are a little bit older or like in your age group around. So that's something I like about Philip. And also 100% beside the point, Philip is like fucking hot as fuck. He is so freaking sexy. And like, I, oh my God. <laughs> hold on, hold on. He is so you, hot. you do go for the dad type, Corey. Are I, you like a, are you I like, don't. Are you a dad guy? Well, I don't really have like a type per se. I mean, I, I would never uh, pin myself to be someone who goes for, like, older guys or, you know, like... But, I mean, there's always, like, I don't know, I guess, like, specific cases. And uh, and I guess Philip is one of those. He's just, like, a really, like... He's just, like, a hot dude. Like, I don't know how to explain it. He's, like, uh, partly, I think, like, Latino descent. I'm not sure what kind. Um and he's got, like, great hair, and his beard is, like, graying in the perfect way. And, oh, my God, he's just so freaking sexy. He's got, like, cool glasses, and he's just, like, he's just, like, a really <laughs> nice freaking sexy dude. And so, and, like, last night, and I, he has befriended me, which is really nice. And I can't, I, and I hope it's not for some weird reason. Like, he wants me to, like, do something for him at some point, like, in the future. And I don't mean, like, sexually. I mean, just, like, weirdly in general, like... Like, I think he's trying to butter me up to, like, take pictures at his wedding whenever he gets married to his fiance, uh next month. And <laughs> I, I don't know if he's, like, this is the thing that he expects me to do for free or something, but this is a little bit beside the point. But last night, he was basically, like, putting one beer in my hand after another at the park, and I kind of drank, like, two or three beers, like, in pretty rapid succession at the park, like, pretty late last night. And, and he also went to, like, a convenience store down the street and picked up, like, a little bottle of vodka, and so, like, we did shots at the skate park, and then, you know, chased him with beer, and, um, and so I got, like, a little bit drunk at the park last night, and, which is fine, like, I don't feel bad about any of that, and, but the thing that I think that, I suspect that you think I should feel bad about is the fact that I smoked a couple of cigarettes last night, (laughs) which is not, I mean... Smoking cigarettes. Just to, just to be clear, I don't think you should feel bad about anything. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. You're a grown ass man. You are free to do whatever you like. 
I just saw you on Twitter and you're like, I just smoked a cigarette. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> but no guilt, no guilt trip implied. I, you know, whatever, whatever. You do what you want with your lungs. It's up to you. Yes. And just to be clear, I, for anybody who's listening and for you, because I, I've never clarified, not that I've ever needed to, my position on like smoking, like on the podcast, <laughs> but um, just to be clear about my smoking habits, I am not really like a smoker. Like I've probably smoked in my entire life about 20 cigarettes and I didn't experiment with smoking until I was like 20, 26 or something. Um, and I, and at this point in my life, I only pretty much only, I, like, it sounds so stupid to say this, but I pretty much like only smoke when I drink. It's such like a, I feel like I'm in like a, like a AA commercial right now or something. But like, if I'm downtown in the French quarter and I happen to be like drinking, like the last time I smoked, I was out at the absinthe bar downtown and like I started talking to the woman next to me. Like I told you about this, the woman who was flirting with me, who was sitting next to me at the bar and we ended up smoking cigarettes outside with her friend who was there, her work friend that was there. And so like, I mean, I don't even own a pack of cigarettes right now. Like, usually, if I smoke, I'm out drinking, and I just, like, bum one off somebody. But I ended up smoking a couple of cigarettes last night. I turned down the offer to smoke weed because I have never smoked weed in my life. And I don't begrudge people who do smoke weed, but it's not something that I'm interested in doing uh Maybe ever. I mean, there might be a day where I'm like, yeah, like I find the right person who I trust, who I think I can smoke weed with. But right now, that's not something I'm really interested in doing. Um, and, you know, skateboarders, like they smoke weed, like that's just like kind of in their culture for the most part. So pretty much any time I'm around skateboarders, there's like always weed present. And um, so I did not smoke weed. I have never smoked weed. I will not be smoking weed in the foreseeable future. But cigarettes, maybe like once a month I smoke a cigarette. So... I'm just the naughtiest boy in the world for smoke, for <laughs> drinking at the skate park and smoking a couple of cigarettes last night. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is hilarious. All right. That's, I just wanted to get the lowdown because I hadn't ever heard you talking about smoking before and I hadn't pegged you in my head as a smoker. Uh, so when you're tweeting, I was like, Oh man, is he like so drunk? He's just like smoking. Like what's going on? Like, what the hell? Yeah, like, okay, and I wasn't that, even, that clarifies it. I mean, I got like a little bit tipsy at the park, but I was nowhere close to being like drunk. Like I wasn't like not even on that level. Like I drank a little bit and I was like fine enough to drive home later. Like it wasn't I wasn't like, you know, I had to like sit down or like I needed to eat, you know, to fill my stomach. Like we were drinking fucking Miller lights for Christ's sake. So it's not like. I was drinking some like big heavy beers over and over again. I mean, I was totally fine last night. I would there was just like like a one hour stretch of the night where I was like a little tipsier than I was the rest of the night, but it wasn't like dangerous or anything. So just to clear that up too. <laughs> okay, good. Glad you were uh, consuming responsibly. That's very that's the kind of that's the kind of uh, example we want to set here on Soviet Union's podcast. So <laughs> I'm glad our sponsors will not pull out now. No, uh, no one's going to get angry. We're not going to get angry letters. So good, good, good. Excellent, excellent, excellent. What else on your docket, man? Anything else? Uh, man, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I was out. I don't like. I have like s stories that I could tell, but I don't know how many are like interesting or like. Uh, I don't know, like cool enough to tell, but. I was out with Peyton the other day, a guy who I photograph pretty regularly, and he's working on this, like, school project where he's doing, like, 
the way the way I describe this is probably not going to sound interesting, but I have no doubt that he's going to turn it into something interesting. He's doing he's in he does a lot of like video editing and like special effects and stuff for school. Like that's kind of what he's going to school for. And he's doing this project where it's like a performance art piece where he like hangs off the sides of like really tall buildings and like parking garages and stuff in the New Orleans area. So I went out with him the other day and I was like filming him like sitting on the edges of these like tall buildings and these uh, parking lots and stuff or parking. So, so hang on, hang on a second. He just, okay, let me get this straight. Mm-hmm. He just goes out and he finds something tall and he either hangs off it or he sits on it. And then that's it. Like he just, he gets a picture taken. Well, it's, vi- it's for a video class. So he, I'm taking like video, like a couple minutes of video, a piece of him, like doing whatever on the edges of these buildings. And I'm, I don't know what he's going to do with it, but I'm assuming he's going to like turn it into some cool like movie thing because that's like what he does. Um, well, what does he do up on the edge? Does he sit there and look like really like intense and brooding or does he like tell jokes or uh, I mean, cycle or like what does he do? He I mean, sometimes he sits there. Sometimes <clears throat> he like will hang off the side a little bit. Um and I mean, that's really pretty much it. Like he, he's not doing like, or he'll like stand on the edge. Like he's not doing like backflips on the edge of buildings or like, and I'm filming him from far away. So I'm not like standing right next to him filming. So it's like a very specific sort of like setup that he's going for. Um, but the point of the story is I was out with him the other day and I was getting kind of tired of like shooting because like one thing about this kind of project is like, you have to be, um, like, it's it's hard to know, like, the limits of where you can go and what you can do. So, like, for example, we went into a hotel and downtown, and he wanted to try to figure out how to get on the roof of the hotel. And so we, like, get in the elevator. And, I mean, we don't, like, have rooms in the hotel or anything. We just, like, walk in the front door and go right to the elevator. And we take the elevator up to, like, the 40th floor because we didn't know what where the floor stopped at. So, like... We go up to the 40th floor and there's like a staircase next to the the elevator when we get off. And at that point, I was like, I don't want to go in the staircase. Like, I don't like you can go ahead. I'll wait because I'm you know, I've established on the show before that I'm like a really big baby when it comes to this stuff. So so like I go down and sit in the lobby and I'm sitting there for like 20 minutes waiting for him to figure out like what roof, like if he can get on the rooftop just for him to come back down to the lobby and be like, oh, there are all the doors are locked. We can't go. So after like hours of that kind of stuff, I was getting kind of bored and we went to this. So uh, you were going just for like building to building, trying to see if you could get roof access? Well, I mean, not building to building. It kind of depended on the situation. Like we did a lot of parking garages, which are not like, which are a little bit easier because you can just like go up the stairs to the top of them. But we did try a hotel and we went into a, there's like this abandoned like military department of defense building um, in the Bywater area, which is like east of downtown. And we filmed there a couple weeks ago with a guy for this like Ninja Warrior project thing. And, and it's like really abandoned and there's like graffiti everywhere, but there's like some construction dudes on site that are kind of like demoing some stuff in the building. So that kind of makes me nervous. Cause there's like people on site. You just kind of have to like hope that they don't see you. Well, we went up there the other day and Peyton was on the rooftop and I was filming him from like the, from the parking lot. And we go to leave and he's like, Oh, I just want to do this other, this one more clip in the, and the, cause there's like a garage next to the building. He's like, I want to get on top of the garage and do another clip. 
And I was like, Peyton, I'm tired. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, you can have my tripod. I'm going to go sit out by the car. We're not supposed to be in here. You know how I feel about trespassing. And I gave him, like, my whole spiel. And he was, like, trying to make me feel guilty about it. And I was like, dude, I just don't want to do this. Like, I've I've been out with you all day. I'm going to go back to the car. Like, you can do whatever you want, and I'll be out there waiting for you. And so I go back out to the car, and sure enough, the construction guys come out right after I leave and, like, and, like, yell at him to, like, see what he's doing or, like, what he's doing there. And I and I didn't see any of this happen because I was, like, out by the car. And he, like, I guess tried to, like, hide from them. Like, he thought he was, like, going to get in trouble or something. And so he, like, tried to run away from the construction guys. And they, like, got in a van and, like, drove after him. And like, oh my God. it was like serious. And like, I saw the tail end of this happen. Cause I was sitting in the passenger seat of my car, just like waiting for him to come out. Cause his car was right behind mine. And so I see, uh, the freaking van come around the corner and like slam on its brakes. And they just literally stop the van right in the middle of the street, turn on the hazard lights. And they like get out and start like yelling at him. And they thought that he was stealing stuff from the building and because he, he had oh, yeah. he has like a camera bag, like a pretty big camera bag. And they were like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he was like, I was just taking pictures, which is true. Like he wasn't doing anything other than, you know, taking pictures and, you know, being on site. And they were like, open the bag. We want to see what's in the bag. What did you take anything? And I like I literally I didn't know they worked construction for the people at first. And I thought they were going to like punch him or like harass him or something. So I was like sitting in my car like waiting for things to escalate to the point where, like, maybe I needed to get out of the car to, like, you know, see, like, tell them to stop or, like, act like I didn't know Peyton and just try to intervene and, like, make them, you know, like, get out of the way or something. And luckily, it didn't escalate to that point. Like, he basically just, like, opened his bag and he was like, look, I was just taking pictures. I'm sorry. Like, I didn't take anything. And and they were like, well, you can't be in there. Like, don't come back. And, you know, and it, it I don't know. It, it got really, it was really intense for a minute. And that's, like, exactly the kind of thing that, scares me that i try to avoid in situations like that and like i don't know what was happening like my spidey sense was tingling to where i knew i like had to get out of there and luckily i did because you know sure enough 10 minutes later he was getting chased down by construction dudes and it was just kind of a wild scenario that sounds a little crazy i mean in you know this day and age too it's like everybody's on edge as it is and you never know who's got a gun these days and things just you know you rub the wrong dude the wrong way and things can get really ugly really quick. So yeah, that seems like, um, some kind of behavior that I, I probably would not engage in at all. And, uh, <laughs> seems like you, you're, you're very, uh, highly, uh, probably going to, uh, you know, run into somebody like, you know, like this instance where, you know, luckily nobody got hurt and it all worked out. Okay. But I mean, I, you know, if it had swung the other way, I could very easily imagine, those guys grabbing him or maybe somebody throwing a punch or him getting scared and throwing a punch or who knows what. And just, you know, things spiral after that, you know, it, it could get out of hand. So that sounds a little sketchy. Yeah, it was scary. But the difference between me and Peyton is that like, if I had been on site with him and that, and the construction dudes would have come out and been like, Hey, what are you doing? Like I would not have run because I know that, what what that makes you look like, you know, I know that running makes you look like you're doing something wrong. And plus I'm just not like, uh, I, I don't know. I guess like I, I'm just the kind of person to where I would get so nervous that I would just freeze in place. And so I feel like if he hadn't run, 
it probably would have gone a little bit better because they would have just approached him and he probably would have just been like, okay, I'm just taking pictures. I'm sorry. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to be here. And then they would have just told him to leave and that would have been it. But the fact that he ran from them did not really make him look any better. And knowing me, I would not have run. So hopefully maybe that situation could have been diffused a little bit sooner. But I also don't want to pretend like I know exactly what would have happened because situations like that can go lots of different ways very quickly. So uh, who knows? Yeah, it doesn't take much for something to go south in a hurry. So, I mean, I'm glad nothing happened and everything all worked out. But, oh, man, I don't know, dude. You're living that dangerous lifestyle down there, man. I know. I'm just drinking in the streets and smoking cigarettes and getting caught trespassing <laughs> into Department of Defense buildings. And I'm such a rebel. Boy, you left the Midwest and things just started to spiral, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, um, oh, but man. that's uh, those are probably my most pertinent adventures lately. Um, now that I've spent a half an hour talking about smoking cigarettes and trespassing and being a bad boy. So what have you been up to lately? Uh, not a lot, man. I've been working a ton. Um, it's just been a real busy week for me uh, between work. I'm trying to work on this new contract. Uh, I think I mentioned it earlier where uh, it's going to be like an overnight contract. So I might have to flip my life upside down and be awake at night and asleep during the day still trying to get that nailed down it'll be a real good opportunity if i can get that squared away because it means i'll be able to uh spend a lot more time at home during the day with my family you know we homeschool as i mentioned before so if they go out on an outing or to a museum or you know have an activity or something like that um, as long as it's not like first thing in the morning i could probably uh get up and go with them and experience that because um i just you know i really want to spend a lot of time with my family i really enjoy spending time with my, my wife and my son and you know, it's such a cliche to say it, but time goes by really quickly and it feels like it feels like I blinked and he's already like not a little boy anymore. Like it feels like he's like a young man. And I feel like if I don't take more advantage of the time that I have, I'm going to turn around. He's going to be like 16 before I know it. <laughs> and then before that, you know, the sooner on uh, I'm going to be like a grandpa and I'll wonder where the time <laughs> went and I'll look back. You know, it's like they say, it's like that they say, you know, like on your deathbed, nobody ever says they wish they spent more time at work. Right. Like, you, you know, I don't want to get to that point. And look back and think, damn it, I missed his growing up or damn it, I missed, you know, I missed life, you know. So, I mean, I feel like my wife and I have taken a lot of steps already to spend as much time uh, together as possible. And for me to be as home as much as possible while still, you know, providing a living for my family and getting the bills paid and you know, working. And I mean, it's just it's really tough to make ends meet these days, especially in Seattle. So I'm not nearly home as much as I as, as I would like to be, but. If this, if this comes through, I think that'll be cool. So I've been working on that. We're going to have a meeting next week, and it looks pretty favorable, so I think it's going to come through. Uh, knock on wood. Don't want to jinx myself here. Um, but So I haven't had a lot of time for other things. On top of that, it's fourth quarter, which is silly season, as, as we like to call it in the game review O-Sphere. <laughs> and like, we're getting like 84,000 games released a week. And, you know, like at Game Critics, I mean, I love Game Critics. It's been my life for like 17 years soon to be 18, and I there's nothing I enjoy better. I wish I could just do it all day long. I would love to just do this editing thing all day long. Um, but, you know, we, we're a volunteer site, as people know, and we don't have money to pay people, so everything that, you know, I do is just on my own time, and same for other people who contribute, which is great. But the one really cool thing uh, about our site is that people really enjoy seeing their pieces go up, and I'm not going to make the whole exposure argument. I mean, that's a whole big discussion for another day. Uh, but you know, people really enjoy to see their pieces go up. And so when somebody writes something, I like to get it up as soon as possible. But in fourth quarter, I mean, I'm always like behind, 
uh, the eight ball anyway, because our editing staff is really small. It's basically just me. So, uh, you know, everything that gets edited on the site, all the pieces that go up, it all comes through my hands. So that it takes time, you know, it takes time. And if I have a busy day at work and I get really tired, come home, you know, I can edit one or two pieces. Then I'm just like spent. And sometimes I just, I'm too tired for that even. So I try to do things as quickly as possible because I don't like to keep people waiting because I feel really um, grateful that they are writing for us and we have a great crew right now. So I really want to keep everybody happy. But, you know, with all the games coming out and with my schedule lately, it's just been like getting really backed up. And so I really hate to see pieces get delayed and that kind of bugs me. So I've been trying to chip away at that as much as possible. Um, I've got a big day tomorrow where I'm going to just spend like a couple hours just hardcore editing and just getting through as much done as I can. Uh, other than that, I mean, not much. I haven't had a whole lot of time for much. Um, we'll talk about the games I've been playing, which isn't a lot. Uh, but I think, uh, the only couple things worth mentioning were that, uh, I went to my, with my wife to a yarn convention that was happening in, uh, in Seattle on the weekend. Uh, do you do any yarn oriented activities, Corey? Do you knit <laughs> or crochet or anything like that? Uh, I can't say that I do and I will sidestep any old people jokes right now for your sake thank you thank you thank you yes I you know I don't um I don't knit or crochet or anything I don't uh like doing that sort of crafty thing but I don't you know it's it's totally cool if people like to do that my wife is amazing at it she's made me several like really cool hats and some scarves that are pretty badass and Really cool. You know, it's really cool. And I mean, I got to be honest, dude, I think knitting is fucking just like the blackest black magic because <laughs> you take this fucking string, like you take this fucking string and you poke it with this needle and then like, like Alakazam, it's like a fucking, it's a thing, you know? And like, I watch my wife doing it. Like I watch the needle go in and out because it's fascinating. I watch it string on one side, the little needle thing on the other. And she's just poking that motherfucker around. And like, it doesn't look like she's doing anything. Like she's just like randomly stabbing shit. And then just like this scarf is trailing out the other end of it. And I don't understand it. And I watch it and I'm like, I got to figure this out. You know, it's not magic. There's got to be, you know, I know this is a real thing. People do it. And it's, I can't figure it out. It makes no sense. So anyway, I don't know how to do any of that stuff, but she's great at it. So she wanted to go to a yarn convention. She's been working really hard. She's been um, just, I mean, she's generally just amazing. Um, and she wanted to go to this thing and she doesn't, uh, make a lot of requests like this. So I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're going to do the yarn convention. You bet. We're going to go to this thing. It's going to be rad. So we get going and it's pretty interesting. I mean, um, I don't know a lot about it because she'll try to tell me like, oh, this is this one so-and-so stitch. And I'm like, honey, I don't know what you're talking about. Like I just, it just doesn't make sense to me. If I, if I was able to knit, it probably would make sense. But I'm like, she knows and she knows I don't know. But she was just including me anyway, which is really sweet of her. So we went there. We saw lots of different types of yarn. Saw yarn from like alpacas and some from sheep and some from rabbits and a couple of different types of yarn and all you know there's this whole thing about how they make the colors and then they did all these weird like yarn sculptures where they made like these giant like teddy bears out of yarn or they made these giant like like i don't know just like modern art sculptures that were made of just like leftover bits of yarn and stuff and i mean it was just you know not my jam but it was interesting and it's really fascinating because i never would have guessed there was that much to yarn or knitting or crochet or whatever but it's like it's it's like its whole world right like we're walking by this one booth and and my wife's like oh it's so-and-so it's sally so-and-so and i'm like what she's like oh it's that lady that made that pattern i'm like what are you talking about 
She's like, oh, she's really famous. I'm like, what do you mean she's famous? It's a fucking yarn convention. You're knitting. How's anybody famous? She's like, oh, my God. Are you kidding? She totally wrote this book and she did this thing. And I'm like, man, okay. Like, no disrespect. But, like, it kind of blew me away that there's, like, famous people in yarn, you know? Like, I mean, like, I, I, I don't even get it. But, I mean, I'm probably it's probably the same thing. If you try to talk about, like, Hideo Kojima to somebody who doesn't play games, they probably look at you like you're a complete jackass. Like, <laughs> same thing. Like, I mean, she this yarn lady is probably hot shit in the yarn world, and I just <laughs> I just don't even know. I just don't even know, you know? So that was really interesting. Really uh, a good time. Uh, we were there for, like, a couple hours, and, uh, yeah, it was all good. I, I, I don't know that I learned a lot, but it was interesting to be exposed to, like, a world that I ordinarily would never set foot in. So that was that was pretty pretty cool. Um, the only other thing worth mentioning is that I was super psyched that Sharknado 5 got uh, was ready for download on iTunes, and that was something that me and my son did today. Um, I Have I talked about Sharknado on the show before, Corey? I don't think so. Oh, okay. So my son is a great kid. He's awesome. My youngest son, uh, the one that lives with me, is is amazing, and he really likes... Okay, let me back that up. He says that he likes scary things and <laughs> horror and monsters... And he knows, like, who all the superstars are. Like, he knows who Jason is and Freddy and Michael Myers and all those guys. But he's never seen any of the movies. Like, he just knows them from, like, still images from Google search. Or uh, they'll they'll pop up in some of the other games that he plays. Like, he plays a lot of, like, maker-type games where kids can do their own levels. And those guys will pop up as, like, bad guys in those levels that other kids made. And so he's kind of gotten exposed to those. He kind of sees them on the same level as, like, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's or something like that. So... He says he likes horror. He wants to he wants to get into horror movies. He wants to, he likes zombies and all sorts of stuff. But he's still really like scared of it. Like he's only he's only 8. And as much as he wants to watch horror and he he'll ask. Like he'll be like, "Oh dad, let's watch a scary movie." Mom's not around. Let's watch a scary movie. I'm <laughs> like, "No. I know your mom's not here, and that doesn't matter because I'm not going to let you watch anything anyway." Like it's not like, you know, not like all bets are off when mom's gone. Give me a fucking break. We're equal parenting here. Um but like he'll flip through movie trailers and he'll he'll see just like the still images of a movie trailer, like for a horror, like in the horror genre when you're flipping through uh, like, you know, Netflix or something. And he'll be like, oh, you know, he'll just he'll just, you know, look at him like he sees like the scary pictures and the monster faces and stuff. And he wants to watch him. I mean, I would say, no, I'm not gonna let him watch him anyway, but he wants to. But then he never asked because he's he's still scared. Right. Like he's still young enough that he's frightened of those things. So I've been kind of trying to find stuff that he can watch where it kind of fits his definition of like, quote unquote, horror, but it's still okay for him to watch. He's not going to get too scared. He's not going to have bad dreams or anything. Um, And I've been doing a really good job, pat myself on the back, um, you know, toot toot my own horn. But we've spending a lot of time watching 50s sci-fi movies that are like all the really super rubbery monster, goofy, goofy costumes, you know, um, you know, like Giant Blob Ate My Kids and uh, The Living Eyeball from Outer Space and that kind of stuff. So we watched some of those and um, he'll enjoy those. They're fine. And he's been kind of like wanting to, to escalate a little bit. So we started moving on to like sci-fi original movies, which are like so crap. They're so <laughs> bad. Effects are really like the cheapest fucking animation. Like I've seen graphics on like PS1 that are like better CG than what they have on sci-fi. And we watch like like weird shit, just like you know, triple headed shark and uh, snow sharks, and we've seen like giant anaconda and like all these other like really like crap films where they're not they're not um, so scary that you can't watch them, but there's a little bit more blood in them, and there's usually a lot of TNA, and 
just a lot of like really, really poor, poor acting. So those are kind of like where we're at right now. And we started watching Sharknado a while ago and he loved it. He loved it so much. I mean, in fact, I kind of loved it too because it was so cheesy and goofy and bad, but bad kind of in a good way. Like it was so lame, but they knew it was lame and it was kind of funny and it was just, it was just, it was kind of good. And that was one that we really bonded on. He really loved Sharknado a lot. We went on to see Sharknado 2 and 3 and 4, and we just love them all. Like, he, he's seen them all, like, a million times, and he just really, like, enjoys them. Because it's just never really that scary. It's just like, you know, a shark pops up. He's very familiar with sharks. He knows what they are. It's not something that's going to haunt his nightmares. Uh, the sharks get killed. Sometimes people get munched, but it's no big deal. It's really not too graphic and stuff. So it's a good... It's, like, it's right exactly where he's at right now. So Sharknado 5... The most recent one came out and we were just like, I was, I was watching, I was waiting for it to, to hit rental, you know, and we were counting down the days and today was the day. So I'm like, oh yeah, got a little furry blanket and we snuggled up on the couch and watched the movie uh, while my mom was in the, not my mom, it was his <laughs> my mom, shit. sorry, while his mom was doing stuff around the house. Um, and it was just a really good time. It was really good because I felt like we could have some quality time, just dad and son watching this movie that we both really enjoy and talking about it and talking about the sharks and talking about the dude who got his leg bit off and just laughing <laughs> at it. And it was just a really good time, man. I know people like to give, um, Sharknado some shit and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not a movie that I think people hold in high regard, but for us, uh, Sharknado as a series will always have a very special place in our hearts because I think this is one of the, the first, I don't know, more advanced horror ish type movies that we've watched that we really could get into together. And he really enjoyed. So I'm looking forward to, slowly introducing more of the classics as he gets older and older. And there's a whole list of things that he wants to see when he gets older. But for now, Sharknado is our jam and we just had the best time watching it. So I'm really happy that Sharknados are still getting made. (laughs) And in fact, in fact, number five ended on a cliffhanger with a promise of number six. So I'm super, super psyched that there's at least one more coming. Really looking forward to it. So Sharknado, I love Sharknado. I don't care what anybody says. I love Sharknado. (laughs) So, oh, man. So that is it. That is it for me. But have you ever seen Sharknado, by the way? No, I have not. I I didn't imagine you would. I don't think <laughs> I don't think there's anything there for you, man. I don't think I don't think there is. And in fact, I mean, I don't know if my kid didn't like it. I don't know if I would really like it. I might, but probably not. But I think that's what makes it special for us. So anyway, man, we have talked our fucking asses off here, dude. We had a ton of banter this week. I think we should probably get going to the games. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. All right, man. Good chat, good chat. Let's talk about some games. Games. 